Knockback, the retro and nostalgia podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my brother, Dagan Moriarty. Dagan, how are you today? You're in a very blue shirt. It's a very stunning almost electric blue shirt and it's beautiful it's a beautiful shirt stunning shirt for a stunning young man yeah it is royal blue i think i a pound for pound is my favorite color it's a good color i gotta say i got all blues i'll take any blue right royal blue it's always a little jealous of the kansas city royals because Mm -hmm. i would rather i don't know if i should say this this is kind of sacrilegious but navy blue of the yanks our beloved yankees I don't know. It'd be kind of interesting if we went royal blue, right? Yeah, I agree. But the Mets kind of have a blue that's like a cornflower-ish blue. Maybe? Yeah, it's similar. Too similar. To the, yeah, to the royal blue. can't have two in New York, right, my friend? No. No, you can't. We were playing, or I was playing around with my microphone before this. I think my mic stand needs to be fixed in some way. If it falls <laughs> during the podcast, I think that would be pretty hilarious. Yeah. Well, we have another one around here somewhere. So, But, Dick, how's everything going with you, my friend? I'm starting the episode with a, with another uh, case of bloodshed. Last time was a nosebleed. This time, small injury. Minor yeah. injury. I have, I'm bleeding. My pinky won't stop bleeding. I have it wrapped in scotch tape. Oh, wow. Moment, holding it up That's like a camera. dad move. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't find a Band-Aid. <laughs> so I have more scotch tape on hand in case it gets bad. I was just... As you know, Kyle, it's your niece's birthday, our beloved Lilia's birthday today. So I was just hanging some balloons outside real quick, cut my finger, just straight up cut the tip of my pinky with the scissors. I don't even know how my pinky got in the way of the balloons string, but that's interesting. it won't stop bleeding. I don't <laughs> did, I didn't even know I was bleeding until it started dripping. <laughs> Sweet 16. Sweet 16. See what I do for my children? Injuries. It's it's 16 stop. years old, 16 years 16. young. 16. I, I want to be happy for Lilia, but I'm mostly sad for me. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. I can totally understand. You understand? That. Yeah. How do I have a six? I feel like I'm 15 half the time. How do I have a 16 year old? Doesn't really I am, make um, sense. I'm mortified that she's 16 years old. So just letting you know. I'm not even sharing anymore. Mortifying is probably uh, apt. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you feel very old, but also makes you feel like. She's going into that pocket where it's like, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It's tough. It's tough. Nonetheless, it's good to be here with you today, Dave. We have an interesting topic this week. You doing all right today? How's everything going with you? Oh, I'm totally fine. Thank you. I'm I'm hanging in there. I uh, just uh, got some work done. Got this random ad done that we needed to do for Sacred right before this. Trying to to sleep better and all this, but really just kind of. Same old shit, you know, different day. I hear you. Different day. I hear you, my friend. Today, I thought we'd do an interesting topic. I, I wanted to do this one for a while. I didn't know quite how to articulate it, but I think I figured out a way to do it, which is things that kids don't have to do anymore. Um, I'm not sure exactly what I will call this episode, but well said. we often talk on the show about um, like, remember, you know, well, it's obviously remember this, remember this, remember this, but often lamenting and sometimes celebrating that we don't have to do certain things anymore. And I was thinking about certain things that kids and let's just say your common American kid would not 
in any circumstance do anymore, but think that we would do back in the day. And I don't know if this makes sense to people, but I think you'll understand it when we start talking about the topics. And so does this make sense to you? This uh, I've asked each Absolutely. of us to get five together. Maybe we'll get through them. I don't sure. know. Maybe we'll probably have some overlaps. Who knows? I love it. All right, cool. Because I know people like the the topics that are they like all the different topics, but I know they like the topics that are more ethereal and about the time and about the experience as opposed to the product. Definitely. We'll get back to the product soon enough. Oh, we will indeed. Not the cocaine. I mean, the the, <laughs> the yayo, the yayo, <laughs> that, that yay. There's a there's a guy that's like, I don't know if he's kidding or not, but on on a Patreon is like in, insistent that I am doing cocaine on sacred symbols and like tries to point out. And I'm like, dude, I'll be straight up with you. I've never done cocaine in my life. So you're not catching me do cocaine on video. That's something I would do that. <laughs> He's saying as a listener of Sacred Symbols or he's saying you're doing oh. it during the show. Yeah, he's a listener. He's a patron. And he's like, dude, you're definitely doing coke during the show. And I try. I, I'm not sure if he's like kidding or not, but I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's really strange because I'm sniffling. It's the fucking <laughs> spring. I know that's hitting me hard. The allergies already. Something's happening out there already. It's pretty. It's pretty strong this early on. It's not even April. When you know it's serious, at least down here, when I take out the blower and and it's, I'm blowing an inch of pollen off my driveway, oh like my literally, God. and it's just like you know, <laughs> a puff. Yeah, it's like it's pretty. I usually don't have allergies, but I do. I do get I, my nose gets just naturally runny. I've never said yeah. I've never been like, oh, my allergies. Like, I've never been one of those people. <laughs> All sinusy and everything. Yeah. Yeah, the running nose. And you know what? The running nose, I was just thinking about this before we rolled. It's not good for podcasting. I have that too. It's like it starts coming, it starts dripping. And I'm like, why is this happening? Then I realize it's the seasonal allergies. Tis the season. And then you could be like dad and not know that your nose is dripping. (laughs) Who's still the only person I've ever met in my life who doesn't know when his nose is literally (laughs) forming an icicle. He doesn't feel it. He's got no. that numb note, like the Rudolph thing going on. He got like hit with like a flame and like a fire in 1977 in his nose and he can't <laughs> he- feel it anymore. Killed he really is guilty of that one. He's yeah. guilty of that sin. Could took be a only, full took, on bead. Took only 60 minutes or six minutes, not 60. <laughs> Didn't take long. Didn't take long. Come All on, right. dad. We got you. Let's get into the topic, Dave, and right, give everyone an idea of what we're, we're talking about here. I'll actually begin. All right. Um, and I'll begin with an obvious one just to give it just to set the stage. And so people have an idea what we're talking about. And I had brought this up. I have brought this up on different occasions, but kids today. They never have to blind call a house. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yes. There's yes. so many layers to that. If you are. I was just at mom's for St. Patrick's Day, right? For dinner. Uh, everyone was there and her house phone rang. And every time someone's house phone rings, I'm always surprised. I'm like, what? And then they ignore it. So I'm like, why do you have this? Why do you even have it? And it just reminds me of you just kind of called people. And maybe there are people that use their phones like that still today, but I doubt it. I don't know anyone in my life that that family, friends, anyone that wants to do that. It's dying. But, but back in the day, you'd get up have breakfast on a Saturday morning, maybe watch a cartoon, 1030 rolls around. You just call it. Hey, is Timmy there? This is Colin. 
And then maybe he's there, maybe he's not. And the thing is, what's so there's so many interesting components of it because people were also just put on the spot way more. Yes. It's like, all right, now you got me now. Yeah, he's home. <laughs> now we got to like. So the whole cascading effect of that, I'm really fascinated by. We've brought it up before about specifically having to call a house to talk to a girl, which or if a girl is calling to talk to a boy and you just you've tried to fi- I remember being like, so she has a dad <laughs> and a brother. The brother like does this football. I can call it this time. Maybe get it here. <laughs> You for some and then I never had like a bad experience. It was never a big deal. But for some reason, that was all part of it, too. People, I think, would have been talking to each other a lot more at that time if you could just do it more directly. But you always had to go through an intermediary. Cell phones changed that in some way. And I I think that was a while ago. But remember that cell phones didn't change the act of calling people to to sell. Smartphones changed that. So anyway, that was the first of a few points I wanted to bring up. And I was curious what you uh what you make of that if that one resonates with you oh my god i have such memories of this and it's so interesting how it's changed and that kids our kids you know could just avoid the awkwardness because it was always something and i remember it wasn't really we kind of just rolled with the punches growing up if we had to call a friend right it didn't matter it was somebody we were comfortable with and those people we would call on the phone our best friends or our good friends we knew their families anyway so it wasn't a big deal if the mom or dad answered the phone it was the beginning of dating that when you had to call a girl for us, right? Like, and I remember so distinctly, Kyle, like it was yesterday. For me, it was sixth grade, my first like serious girlfriend where her name was Allison. And it was expected that, you know, somewhere in the evening time, either before or after dinner, like between school and dinner or sometime between dinner and bedtime, you would have to have the obligatory phone call with each other, right? You have to call and, and talk every night, even though you saw each other all day right. in school, <laughs> That's right? So ridiculous. But it was like an expected ritual. And I remember with Allison specifically, she had a notorious older brother who was like a scamp. Like he was just like a known, heckling, tough, like prankster type dude. And he wasn't like even close in age. He was maybe a junior or a senior in high school, like full on facial hair, transam, mullet, like the whole thing, super intimidating for a sixth grade boy. Right. And I knew like, I knew specifically, and like, this is, it's a good kind of thing to go back on to retrospectively and kind of just look at the situation too. There was no caller ID. There was no, but he was just, he just knew like this dude would stay by the phone just to kind of taunt me. And he would always answer the phone. He would always answer and I would have to go through him. I would have to go through that barrier in order to get to Allison. It wasn't. And you could tell he was being passive aggressive, like the way he was talking and his tone and everything. But he wasn't saying anything outwardly mean spirited. He was like, oh, oh, this is Dagan. Oh, hi. How are you doing? Like that type of thing. And I knew what he was doing and I had to get through it politely. And that was the beginning of it for us right and then it was always something like the older sister was intimidating on a different level because you're like oh this girl she's gonna think i'm a total dork she's gonna be all judgy the dad that was intimidating on another level right because you know like oh they they think back they they know like i'm making out with their daughter like right, you're thinking right. all these thoughts right, right. the mom's really intimidating on mom mother. is what you you're want ri- the mom is the best case the best case scenario is is your target answers right, right 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 mom Definitely second in line. 
And the only caveat to this was if somebody we knew had a personal phone line in their house, like a personal phone line, a separate phone line in their bedroom, which I didn't, I eventually would date girls with their own phone lines, but not early on. And certainly none of my friends growing up had their own phone lines. That wasn't a thing. Yeah, I got my own phone line in 1999 specifically for my computer. So I never never once had a phone connected to it. And you were in, how old were you then? Okay, 10th grade. Okay. So that was, that was you. So you and Helene are the only people I knew, I really knew well that had that at some point in high school. And I said, by the way, that that was one of those weird things where dad did that without me ever saying it or asking. He just gave it to you. And I was like, Okay, because I think he was just so tired of me being on the internet. You know, yeah, pick up the phone one. and be like, <laughs> and, and picking up the phone would also disconnect you. You remember that? So it'd be like, be like, so no. like you'd be in the middle of, you know, when when the connection would like it would just freeze over, and then AOL would be like, goodbye, and goodbye. then and then <laughs> we had to deal with so much. So funny, dude. I, I miss God. it. It was. It's so trivial, but it is funny. Anyway, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, not at all. And then you know what the other thing is that I realized? We, this is very timely, actually, because we had no phone line in the house until a week ago for about three months. For some reason, it just went dead. We had no explanation why. The Wi-Fi was fine. Cable was fine. But our phone line went out. And you know what? We didn't miss it. The telemarketers... The, the, the politicians always calling and campaigning. But one thing, and I don't even know why we got it back. It's like one of those things where I feel like. Yeah. Why do you have it? I think for us, I think it's just to have because our contact information now goes back so deep with the kids with school that we want to be reachable on two phones or really it's three phones rather than two. It's just like to have that other option. But I can't see having it. After the kids are, you know, after Graydon graduates from high school, which is what, five or six years from now. That's really the only reason we hang on. But I have to say that lull of three, you know, not having it for like a quarter of a year, the telemarketers stopped. I I don't, the the phone doesn't ring at all. Like, so that was enough. If you could just leave your phone off the hook for three months, it might make all that stuff. They probably get a ping back saying this phone is disconnected. They just remove, it's just removed from the list automatically. Yeah. I, I would imagine. So that's my, that's the whole thing for me is I love the idea of like, you know, Graydon is on the playground, breaks his foot and the nurse has the school nurse has to call you. And then they call the house and it rings seven times. And then there's like a message, right? And then it has to go through the message and then it goes through all this stuff. And it's like 65 or 70 seconds later, then you finally get, <laughs> oh, okay, this is what it is. It's really like you, true. Because you, you want to avoid it so badly. And that's one of the things I, though, some of the things I wanted to bring up that you would kind of touched on. The revolution of caller ID. Mom was the first person I ever knew had caller ID in New England. Okay. And it was revolutionary. I don't I I remember we would just like look at the it would be right next to the phone, which was like right next to the kind of corner of the couch where we would all hang out. Oh, telemarketer, silent, you know, or just like, or oh, it's mom, or oh, it's it's dad, or it's work or whatever. And you would just know. And that that was just knowing who was calling you was revolutionary because for younger people, you used to have to do what was called screening, which people still do now. But and that's what I was just describing is you would just let the phone go to voicemail. And then I knew a lot of people that did that. And then I, for my friend Cody, who, you know, I used to go pick up, pick up, pick up, pick up, pick up until like, he picked up the phone. <laughs> and uh, so you used to, just, but people used to do that. And it was just, it's so, isn't it wild to think you, everyone was just kind of each other's secretary. 
that's the other thing I remember about it so well was the absolute consequence of not telling someone that someone called oh or my making God. it's a big deal. I remember that being instilled in me in a, as a young kid because I think I blew something for dad once like I don't know what it was. I don't remember what it was. Maybe he had like an inside track on a car he wanted to buy or something and I just didn't tell him the guy called, right? And I was probably like 12 or something. I remember it. And it was a big deal and ever since then there was always like a pen and a pad around and I would always just and then I just stopped answering the phone. Because I think at some point in like the late 90s or early 2000s dad's like just don't even answer the phone. Yeah, like because I think he was getting mad that I was let it go to voicemail. Right. And I'm like, my my pleasure. You know, (laughs) and then because I got a cell phone, I think in 2000. And at that point, I I had like the brick Nokia that everyone had. Actually, mine wasn't even a Nokia. It was like a Qualcomm. And uh, so it was like this even shittier version. And uh, that's when I stopped answering the phone. But even at that point, like we didn't text. You can go online with your phone. You didn't do any of those kinds of things. So I just love the idea of everyone just knowing each other's business. Like, oh, you know, like you come home, it's I was just, we're watching the first season of Curb Your Enthusiasm and there's a scene. It's a totally inconsequential scene where he's getting from his secretary, all the people that called. Yeah. And it was, that's kind of like what would it, it would be like. Dad would come home. Be like, Anyone call? Yeah, there's like a fucking note on the on the thing. You got to now read this note I wrote about your business. Then you have to go and call this person back or try. And it was like, what are we doing? What are we doing? I, I think we really take it all for granted. It's, it's, it was it's really crazy. That's why I think we're in such crazy times. We don't even realize it. And I think it's little things like that. I watched Downton Abbey when they get the phone installed in like the second or third season or whatever it was. I remember that. And they, and it's, it's so cute and it's so funny or whatever. But that was 110 years ago. God. I mean, that's not, re- not real, but I mean, that, that was that took place 110 years ago. And we've come all of this way to now where we are now. And I think that that's insane. I think that's totally it's crazy. The, yeah. the evolution is nuts. I was born in 73. That was the age of rotary phones. Remember the rotary dial? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about all that. Then now compound it with not even having buttons on the phone yet. You know, it just got the evolution. Yeah, we're so lucky today. But each little chip away and each progression, you know, of, of just over my lifetime is insane. You know, you think of the the rotary, you think of going to buttons, you think of a longer cord, now it's cordless. You think of voicemail, but the, first that started with answering machines, then caller ID, then it had the voice caller ID. So if the phone's not even on you, you could hear the computer saying, oh, call from, and then phone number, mm-hmm. so you know. Call from? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's a telemarketer from two rooms away. Like, it's in, it's insane how far we've come. But I get mad because I want my kids to kind of go through those sort of um, growing pains of having like answer the phone and talk to somebody like my kids have my kids phone etiquette is awful. Like they're so shy on the phone, even with people that they know really well, like their grandma and grandpa, you know, like because they just don't have to talk to anybody they don't want to talk to ever. You know, right. I had to at least, and you were probably cut from the same cloth call. I at least had to play the game. Oh, yeah. You'd be put on the phone and be like, say hello to him. And then and you have like, to be uh, upbeat and jovial yeah. and make yeah. polite conversation. You can't wait to get off, but at least you're doing it. My kids right. don't even know how to do it. They don't even know how to go through the motions. It's like, you guys are so freaking spoiled. It's insane. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing? Like just how I, I just, I, the more we talk about it, the more I think about it, the more it's like, wow, man, this is, it's. <laughs> It's a little thing, but it's a big thing that people don't don't understand. That's, again, why I think my generation is so strange, 
Yeah. Because we, we have like these almost fan at this point, like phantom memories, like things that were it's like, we, I know I was there, but for instance, the rotary phone, it's so funny because grandma and grandpa had a rotary phone. That's that was like my whole access to it as a kid yeah. using it yeah. in the kitchen. And, yes. uh, it sh- I was just watching something recently about rotary phones and it's so clever. It was all about like the gap that the, the audio would be read to know the number or whatever. And it's like, wow, that's so interesting. And, and then they were just like, why don't we just make buttons, <laughs> yeah. make tones, tones that are that are read instead of these gaps. And and then so they had kind of both. And I think I think rotary phones are still red, but I don't I don't know for sure. But um, they, they work differently as far as I understand, which is so interesting. So by the time you get to that and then you get the cordless phone. I remember the cordless phone, the we had the blue standard blue phone on the wall in the kitchen with the cord that would let you go. It, the cord was so long that it like dragged on the floor when the phone was hung up. It like literally like drape. It was like a, a drape that was too long on a curt on a, on a window. Was, it was like 45 feet long and you could go stuff. like anywhere with it. And we lived in like a 4,000 or 5,000 square foot house or something like that. You could like go all the way into the living room, all the way into the dining room upstairs, like on the top of the stairs, you know? You could go like where, like easily where there were other phones, <laughs> right? Like yeah. there was no reason for a 45 foot phone cord. Like there were, you could be in the area of three other phones at the same time. <laughs> like it didn't make any sense, but you're right. That one like just laid on the kitchen floor in like a coil. Yeah. It was just <laughs> so weird. And I, it's funny that I was going through some papers I have. <clears throat> They're all of ours, all four of ours, our siblings, the siblings, but mostly my stuff. It's like from 1989, 1990, 1991. Mm. But fold, <clears throat> I don't know if you remember, dad used to fold up his calendars and put them away. And I found a bunch of them. So I unfolded them and it's just it's like a month in time. But all of the notes that people were writing on the wow. calendar too, like just like little things because it was just right there, you know. And p- different people's handwriting and all the kind of stuff. And instead of things like dentist at three or whatever, this kind treasure. of history exists for people in perpetuity. If you use like Google calendar, you have all this forever, but it's actually much more interesting during the analog era to have that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where my mind was when I came up with this topic and thinking about all the like star six, seven, star six, nine caller ID screening messages, like leaving. So both having them, I remember wanting to be the message, like the, well, two things. I used to remember asking mom and dad, like, can I leave the message for the house or whatever? And it's been no, it was too important. You know, it was just too important. You can't have like some flipping bullshit because it was like, (laughs) this is the you've reached the Moriarty family. Like you had to let them know what was going on. Right. So that was like an important thing. And then also the person leaving the messages. Yes. The one thing I don't do anymore is leave messages because it's not necessary. I hate when people do it. Why are you leaving me a message? If you if I call if you call me and I don't answer, I see that you call and you can text me. Don't leave me a message because here's what I do. I go and I click on it and then I scrub all the way to the end. So it reads it as you read and then I just leave it in the voicemail thing and then it just <laughs> it, and never and it's never listened to. It's a great point. Why do you need to leave a message? Really? I don't delete it. And mostly I don't delete it. So you, there's no more room for you to leave messages in my voicemail, which is, you know, <laughs> which is intentional. And uh, yeah, so it, it's just it's so funny, man. The whole dynamic has changed just with the and it's kind of reductive, right? Because we went from people were writing letters or in person, right? Then they went to telegraph. So they were communicating from long distances. And that was completely revolutionary. Like one of the hugest and probably most understated revolutions ever was 
the telegraph and then letting people know instantaneously what's going on. The famous story of Teddy Roosevelt being like in the woods in Wyoming when McKinley is killed and he's president and no one can find him. And they're like telegraphing wildly like to the West, like trying to find Theodore Roosevelt. But then so it becomes more and more interconnected. Then you're talking on the phone. Then if right. you watch like things like the Jetsons and stuff, it's like, well, now we're going to see each other. And that does exist, like FaceTime and all of that. Sure. But it's actually like gone backwards because now it, then it was like, we're going to text and send voice memos. And I know some people don't like voice memos. I'm a big fan of the voice memo. You if, you have, like, voice some, memo. if you have some sort of stream, stream of consciousness, I say do it. You know, if you text me, if you if you have a thought, text me. If you right. have like something you need to say, I'd much rather you just say it stream of consciousness than call me. And then just send it to me. If you have something to just say, just say it. And, I'll, and I'll, so I actually interact like Ramon and I do send voice memos back sometimes like five or 10 minute long voice memos. Oh, he does yeah. it, too, because yeah. you're the only person I know that does that. I picked that up from my ex, I think, actually. OK. And it's not not bad. You know, not bad. Not a bad thing. You got to know your audience. I wouldn't just wildly send them the people. Right. You know, I, I don't do that. But yeah, there are certain people, specifically Ramon, that I've communicated with, mostly because we're also doing voices or making fun of things. So yeah. we like to do that. And we talk in like our fictional, like Southern man voices. <laughs> like, I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Down here. It is actually a whole nother forum of communication. It's kind of entertaining in a different way than straight yeah, well, up I'm like, why don't talking you come, or texting, right? Why don't you come back down here to Virginia? <laughs> and, 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 Micah and I were watching... Uh, like meet the press or something like last year. And there was just this random Southern mayor um, from like South Carolina or something. And he was on and he was like, we got a saying down here in South Carolina, you know, <laughs> and he said it like that. But I made it. So I, the, I always I made it have made it more and more sinister to make it sound like that. He's going to say the most racist thing next. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, we got a saying down here, South Carolina, <laughs> you know, like, how can you possibly say something good after that? You know, <laughs> DiCaprio from Django. Yeah, it's like, you don't take kind of your folk down here in South Carolina. (laughs) And it all stemmed from this, like, just happy, like, mayor that was like, we got a saying down here. I like the sinister Southern thing. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. I love doing voices for some reason. Specifically, (laughs) the, the Southern man, like, gruff, no doubt, deeply racist man. You know, like... For some reason, I just get a, a kick out of doing that <laughs> gruff Confederate voice where you don't know like what the next thing this guy's going to say, like he's going to go out of pocket. You know, do you ever think of you? We talk about this with you, especially on the kind of funny animated series that we did and that how good your voice acting was. But not only how good you were, but that that was like everybody's reaction to that series. It was like, I was surprised by that fucking yeah. great voice actor. I was surprised know? by that. Yeah. You I don't... should, do you ever consider trying to go down that route? Cause I know Chris, our friend, Chris, Mr. Raygun has done that and you're just so good at it. Why not kind of channel that celebrity? You know, you're, you're a celebrity, you're YouTuber, podcaster, celebrity, and try to leverage that. And sh- besides you're really good, you're just naturally good at it. Try to, it's yeah, maybe I've never been asked. You. I don't even know. Like you have to join SAG after I think and shit like that. And or you yeah. only get like one or two things and then you have to do that. And right. Right. I don't, right, know. I don't right. think people want me to do voices in their games, but I think it would be fun. Like if you ever do a project, I'd like to do a voice in that probably. But what's funny is that I, I come up with these voices without really thinking about it. And I'm not like a, I'm not impersonating. I'm not an impersonator. So I can't just do voices. Right. But I've developed these various voices. I've developed an entire voice with the dogs because I talk to them in this weird <laughs> voice. 
we're it's really more about the weird note like nomenclature that we use yes it's like, it's like what the hell is going on around here <laughs> like i talk to them like really seriously i say like the most serious things to them you know and and but like if you just remove me from that we can have i can probably use that voice yeah absolutely and it would just be some random voice the same thing with the, the southern man that i use in the and the voice we use like the ramon does like the midwestern concert goer like thank you man I, man i appreciate you man because <laughs> we met a guy like that at a i think that's where it came from like met, I don't know, so inspired by some rando you know so anyway getting off off the beaten path but uh phones that's that's what that's the entire idea of this of this topic so i wanted to begin with that yeah and i uh, thought it was interesting but i want to throw it over to you dig what what's uh, something in the same line that you that you think about all right so i wrote a bunch of stuff now that we got the lay of the land that was a very good example to start with because now everybody knows exactly where we're going with this um this is one that really this is a smaller one but definitely one memorable for me and one that frustrated the hell out of me as a kid and I guess it plays into a larger topic, but I'm going to talk specifically about using encyclopedias, actual, oh, yeah, tangible, yeah. physical, giant research books, encyclopedias from the library, or if you had a set at home. We had a set, we, right? Like later on? Yeah. It was like a 1960s set. It was pretty dated, but I guess we still got away with using it in the 80s. Uh, you know, by that time, I'm sure things have progressed a lot as far as research and scientific discovery and all of that but, yeah, know, we had like... an old set we had an old set i think it was mom's from high school oh interesting okay. so you're talking about 20 years later still using it but i remember very specifically when you get to that age probably what fourth fifth sixth grade when school's getting a little more serious you got a little research paper to do you pick a topic you go to the library again unless you're lucky enough to have a set at home and you hit the encyclopedia letter of your choice right and you have to sit there and we didn't have the internet you know we didn't have computer if we had computers little apple twos in the library that we were playing games with oregon trail and later on we had the commodore 64 and stuff but wasn't we weren't largely using research you know doing research vis-a-vis the computer yet that just wasn't a thing we were using books and i remember how frustrating it was i remember specifically i must have been probably in fifth grade because it was before junior high school and I did it. We had a report due. I think we had to just basically pick an animal. I picked scorpions, right? I was obsessed with scorpions. And I remember going to the library it had to be a whole thing. We had to make a whole to do, go, go on a trip. Mom drops me off at the library. I'm kind of new to this, right? I'm not in junior high or high school yet. Get my book out, the encyclopedia, the S. I remember very specifically the S encyclopedia had its own volume right? because right. the smaller, less used letters would have, but they'd be mixed. Right, you know, right. You'd have like P and Q. X, Y, Z. Right, right. Exactly. And I looked up Scorpion and they had a little thing about Scorpions and it was like half of a one page. And I had to write like a five page report on it, you know, <laughs> so you couldn't, it's like, what am I even going to do? How am I, first of all, I'm not going to plagiarize this. Right. And this is maybe going to get me a page and a half, two pages tops, you know, and that's the research I had at my fingertips. And that was the work you had to do. Now kids just call it up on Google, yeah, you know, from the comfort of their own bedroom. It's crazy. It's insanity. Man. Yeah. It's like the, remember the indices too. Like if you were, you would you had a book of, of a greater topic like animals, then you would go to the index and look for scorpion, and then it'd be like scorpion forty one, and then one hundred and twenty two through one hundred and twenty four or something like that. 
and be like, oh my Dewey. god! And then yes, yeah, you would scrape. Stuff. I was doing that even in college because I was I was which was by far we were Lexus Nexus in the Internet age completely. But yeah, I, we were doing such obscure, more high level research that you would have to go into the stacks and like find these things. And it's like, oh my god, because they're not. But I imagine a lot of the stuff is digitized now. And so it, it should all be searchable that way, which is just so different that the very act of doing that, you're right, is and, and it's funny, it's because you were talking about computers in the 80s. It wasn't computers that brought in the digital encyclopedia age. It was CD-ROMs that brought in mm. the digital. And I think that that's what's important. There was no no one was using like in Carta or anything like that on disk. There was no room for anything on those disks. So, right. You couldn't. You wouldn't. Even, you couldn't. Fl- I don't think people realize floppy disks, like like the hard floppy disks, three and a half inch disk, uh, are are so small that you can't even put like a picture on it. It's crazy. Like to you think couldn't about. put one MP3 on it. You know? No. Or you put like a, maybe a really small artifacted no like thumb thumbnail on it. Sure. Right. And that would be it. And so uh, space was a huge constraint. Five and a quarter inch floppy, like the real floppy disks, were even worse. And oh my god! And then you had like iOmega stuff, like hundred megabyte zip drives and stuff. But that was by the time that happened, that was CD ROMs were already around. So I wanted to say that, and and I think that that's really interesting too. That was like the big thing. I remember when we got Encarta at Mom's in 1996 or whatever, like Encarta '96. They used to date them like Madden. Yes. Yeah. Because they were always <laughs> being updated, and I right. think they had this vision forever. I think Microsoft owns Encarta, and uh, they had this vision that you would just buy them every year. And I think people did for a while and they were really cool. They were interactive and very digital and it felt very new age. So I, I barely, it's what's funny is that I was kind of aged out of ever having to do deep research. By the time I was in middle school, the internet, it was out. I mean, you were doing some stuff in the library and using the fucking, the, uh, Dewey decimal system and all these different things, which is, you know, <laughs> shout out to this, the drawers of the Dewey decimal drawers. I love those things. They're so oh cool. my God. Oh, they're so Love them. Just so what a long blast years. from the past. But uh, intimidating, right? Yeah. Well, especially oh, yeah. when you're a kid just starting to get into that. You're like, wow, this is what lies ahead. This I is remember insane. That. I remember that. Right? You're absolutely right. So, yeah, I just wanted to say that. And just the, the index. I remember being in college in the stacks where books had their own indexes, like own book index, where it's like, oh, my God, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, I, I actually remember being at your old house. I, I remember this very well when I was in college, I think it was in 2004 and I was at your house for a couple of days. We were there. I don't know why, but I had to do like work and I just had like all these books with me because I was like, I have to just put, they were literally the minutes of the continental Congress actually oh, is, what I, is what I remember. Like the second continental Congress. It was like, the, Whoa. there was, there was like a whole shit ton of them. And I had like a few of them because I was looking for these specific things. And I remember I was just pouring through them. The most boring shit you've ever read in your life. Like I love this stuff. And I'm like, this sucks. I'm looking <laughs> for them just saying like- this one thing, you know? Oh my God. So hopefully people don't have to do that anymore. I, Kyle, think I think, I think about my kids. I think if they had to look through like the looking glass or take a look back, if there was some video and watching my experiences and let's just say junior high school, I think they would be aghast. I think they would be floored and terrified. I feel like it's almost like me watching episodes of little house on the prairie. Like, I look at the kids in this wow, schoolhouse yeah, heated, you know, by a coal stove, writing on chalk tablets like that is much more of a departure from growing up in the 80s to back then to like the colonial, you know, whatever the uh, expansion days, colonial expansion days or whatever. But I think my kids would look at it that way. Like, I think that's the evolution that's taken place in the last 30 or 40 years. They would just be like, what the fuck? Like, you had to actually do this kind of stuff. 
It's insane. It's and I, totally th- insane. I do often wonder, you and I talk about this a lot. It comes up on the show from time to time. Like how much of the playing field has been leveled for the kids now in their favor, just from the simple fact of not having to go through that same amount of labor, like the blood, sweat and tears involved and the convenience and having the technology at their fingertips. I wonder, I really do want my kids do very well in school, very lucky that way. But I do wonder if it is easier or is it, you know what I mean? Do they have their own things that they're dealing with that sort of levels it for them? Like I would think about it from my generational perspective and from, you know, from the outset, I would be like, no, they definitely have the advantage. But I do wonder about that, just how much better I could have done having all this if I went to school now, you know, rather than have it. Cause you could kind of, you know, it does seem easier. I, I am an old man kind of shouting at clouds with that sentiment, but it does seem like it's easier to do well just because you have all this. Not only do you have it at your fingertips, but now we're in the age where I think even the teachers have to look at these things as inevitable. You know what I mean? It's like when we were growing up, it was like, don't use the calculators in pre-algebra. Even though we had the higher end calculators, we could do it, but it was seen as like, learn how to do it without it. Now I think technology has come so far that it almost has to be embraced because it's inevitable. You know what I mean? Like kids are not going to do it without the technology. So why, you know what I mean? Why? I think there, I think back then we were kind of forced to do things that we really shouldn't have had to do. Oh, no doubt. They might as well had us use abacuses at times. It's like, (laughs) That's what it felt like almost. But at you the same time, I, mean? I remember being relieved that we didn't use like the the um, the graphing calculator because I'm like, if you have if you think I have any idea what to do with this thing, you're fucking sadly mistaken. Calculator. You know, you're sad. If you think I can do anything on this other than play drug wars and <clears throat> do whatever weird things we were doing on that thing, I I. I, I'm sadly, I'm, I'm Those sure are horrifying. That- Those are really, my daughter's like, yeah, great. You know, she had to start with that last year. I guess she's in 10th now. So she started with that last year. Oh my God. And I just, it's so, I mean, even what Graydon's doing in math now is so f- beyond me that I'm just like, I guess I'm glad you guys understand it because I, I can't even really help. I would have to really hit the books. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. To help. I, I, I can imagine I would be way out of my depth, even at the middle school level at this point with with math. It, it just is what it is. But it, I think because I was writing this down, I didn't want to forget. That I think there's like a, a juxtaposition to this. There is and this actually this actually goes with my next topic. So I'll, I'll get I'll go into my next topic as we talk about this. But and we can bounce back and forth, of course. But there's this idea that information is everywhere now. And I was surprised and I was talking to our sisters about this, that there's a there's a t- podcast. I, I brought this up on another show. I'm looking it up now just to make sure that I. Um, I have the name of it, right? Yeah. Sold a story, which I've been smitten with. It's a miniseries like by American public media. Okay. And it's about how like American kids are increasingly illiterate, like oh, bad, wow. like real bad, like worse than anyone could have possibly imagined. And. It's, it has a lot to do with this like system of we were you and I were phonetically taught how to read, which is, you know, the way you're taught how to read. And then there was right. these other people that it's crazy if you listen to it, that were basically it's basically about recognizing words and guessing and trying to figure out context and all. It was nonsense. And about this racket that was basically being run by this company that just made everyone not able to read. Holy shit. And that kids 
parents didn't really know how bad it was until COVID when they started having to deal with the kids at home. They're like, holy shit. My fourth grader is literally illiterate. Holy, you know, or, and things like that, like and, and had no idea. Right. And so I'm shocked by the juxtaposition of that, that that kind of thing shocks me. And what I mean by that is there is all this information. And I would have imagined if you said to me, Colin, time has passed. Things have gotten bigger. The Internet is here. Everyone's got all this access. Can people read better than they could 10 years ago? Yes, of course. The answer is no, they can't. And I don't know. I, I find that so unfathomable because it's hard for me to imagine interacting with the digital world without being able to read at a deep level. I have no idea how you would do that or even fake it. And so I think that there's like something weird about that, about the juxtaposition. And then I think there's another juxtaposition about standing out. I think back in the day, it was easy to stand out by doing the work. Remember when you would go to like a science fair? I remember this because I was on both sides of it. You go to a science fair with really something half-assed. And you'd be embarrassed or like not really, you know, get attention. Then you do go to the science fair, like really well prepared. You'd get the attention you deserve. You get your award. You do all that kind of stuff. And you just it was easier to get attention by just doing the work. Even if it wasn't great, like you just you had the fucking nice oak tag. You had the nice graphics. (laughs) It was. But that kind of has gone away. People can 3D print anything they want now. I mean, that like the entire idea of like really unfathomable creativity in that way, I think is kind of gone. But the juxtaposition of that is that the access to information means that, as you said, kids are so much smarter that they don't need. And they are just inherently smarter. I think that they even though they have problems like these fundamental problems with certain certain disciplines, important disciplines like reading, that they're just exposed to technology. They're exposed to different ways of life and living that I think is is really fascinating. And I like the idea that they have to kind of stand out in a different way. Yeah, now. that's why. Well and so that has kind of changed a lot, too. But um, this goes into something and you're going to laugh at this because I think this goes into what what you were kind of talking about. This is what my second topic that I wanted to bring up, which kids no longer have any reason or recourse to believe in baseless rumors and speculation. Right. There are so many rumors, speculation, lies, whatever being circulated. And when I was on the playground as a kid and all the rest. And I remember. Like, well, what were you going to do? Someone says, oh, this is this thing is about this thing. is true." I'm like, yeah, OK, I believe it. I, there are probably still things I believe that are not true based on what I was told at Brookhaven Elementary in like 1990 on the playground. And I <sighs> love that you can't a kid once they have access to a, a device, which is pretty young at this point. The only things that get by them should be the things that they allow to get by them. No more lying, no more obfuscation. Your uncle doesn't work at Nintendo, you know, that kind of stuff. What do you think of that? The idea of and I, and I know she just says no more baseless rumors and speculation. <laughs> yeah, every bit of information, true or false, could be vetted, right? It, it really it's kind of I love this one. I didn't think of this for myself. So I love this because it really speaks to me growing up and how different it must be now. But it's kind of sad. Like I have a, I have a lone tear cause it takes the wonder and the magic out of everything, you know? And, and it could be like those more insidious rumors that we heard on the playground growing up. Like, Oh, like 
this girl moved away because she got a frozen hot dog. The vagina, the hot dog, and the vagina. Like everyone's got it. That's completely debunked now. That's not that's not a thing because I believed that for years about certain people I went to school with. I had like a whole vision of it, like a whole not the not the hot dog and the vagina, but like the story about them going up to the mountain to go skiing or whatever it was, and like I had a whole vision of it. You know, did we talk about this before though? Specifically, that rumor. Which was like for our generations was like finding playboys in the woods or in one of our friends' dad's bedrooms. Like that was that widespread and common of a thing. We pretty much decided that was a girl getting pregnant and having to move away for shame of her and the family, right? That was pretty much Presumably, what that was. Yeah. Teenage yeah. pregnancy type thing. We're going to go like to the ants in Florida and just kind of lay low for a while so we're not all humiliated. But you know what's funny about that? They Yeah, like- it's kind of sad, but I'm not even sure we ever came to a conclusion on this or if we had this conversation with anybody outside of you and I, but uh, it would be something was the, at play there. It would be interesting to know the true etymology of that, like where that came from, because that was the right. fascinating. We've talked about this in the past about in that analog age when like you had a friend and the friend's cousin visited from California and was there for a week and you get like a bit and a piece from this dude about this, that and the other thing. And I feel like that's how everything spread. That's why it's so fascinating. I don't I, we might have talked about it on the weed conversation on Constellation. I'm not sure. But like the whole etymology of 420. Oh, yeah. The, that seems to literally just be like that. Literally what that seems to be is that there was a high school in Santa Cruz in the 70s where people would get together at 420 after class to smoke weed. OK. And that's literally where 420 has come from. But it has spawned into this whole thing. That's amazing. Where, you, where, where but that that's it's spread. Grew. Those dudes probably went somewhere. They knew a right. guy who did this. And that's how fucking things spread back then. Literally, that's how it happened. And it's so fascinating to be one of the many tendrils, the recipients on yeah. Long Island or whatever right. of that of those stories that eventually <laughs> got to you. But there's no there should be no more of that. It's not only like the Snopes.com mentality. It's just that you can literally just look anything up, like anything you want. I would be and shout out to the persnickety kid on the on the on the playground that's shit calling everyone out because there's that guy's got to be we, we need to have an arbiter, you know, like an ombudsman. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Somebody just and then, you know, what, but the, even the more fun things, the playful things like the Nintendo rumors, like how you beat this boss or a code for a game or something, a secret ending, like all that wonder, all that magic has been dispelled now because it doesn't it's just you're in an age where you could get the right information immediately or nearly immediately. I mean, it might last up until the bus ride home. You know what I mean? It might last until you could get home and get in front of your phone or get in front of your laptop and say, oh, is is, is little Timmy lying about this or that? Not to mention the things that we grew up with that were longstanding traditions. Like I think of like Santa, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy. Like now, if a kid has a doubt, they could just go online and watch countless YouTube videos or, you know, trace the origins of a tradition like, oh, this this thing started in Norway, year, you know, hundreds of years ago. And you know what I mean? It's not true. And they could see comedians do stand up about it. Like 
it's kind of raw. And unfortunately, I think it robs kids of of their innocence a little too mm. early, mm. right? Because they just have almost like it's like almost like too much information. They have to. They're kind of fo- like so many other things in this world. Like they're growing up so fast. You know, they're kind of shot through the can and they're growing up. So, but that is an interesting point. There's this like no way rumors, stories, tall tales, even myths and legends. Like there's no, there's none of that anymore. Like I spent my entire elementary school career. I always think of this from K through three at our, our common elementary school. You went to Brookhaven elementary school too. There was a house off the perimeter of the back playground that I thought was a haunted house for four years because everybody swore to it. That there was like an axe murderer and there was like a headless body in the basement. Like there's just no way kids would maybe it's maybe it's also goes along with kids are just smarter now. (laughs) Yeah. And also it's like, why would we think we were so stupid in the sense that we thought that adults would let a house like that just sit right next to Brookhaven Elementary School for four years? Like everyone, it's common knowledge. Like, guys, it's common knowledge that house is fucked. You know. Anyway, let's go outside and play in the playground right next right, to it. Right next door to it. <laughs> divided by like a little patch of woods or whatever. It didn't take much. This is the point. It really didn't. It really did. I feel like we were probably less gullible than the people that raised us. You know, the boomers growing up in the 50s and 60s. But we were still moronic, you know, to moronic levels of naivete. And, you know, I, it was fun on one hand. But I, I also think, and we talked about this recently, I, th- I think it also plays into our neuroses. You know, in our, you know, just sort of the fact of how neurotic we are and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. So it's funny on one hand, but I do wonder, you know, I I, th- I just think these kids have better heads on their shoulders. Thank God, because they got to handle the the sort of Internet and social media. Climate. Thank God, because they can't read. <laughs> <laughs> Owned. Isn't that so funny? But they don't want to talk on the phone. Right. But they're texting. Right. But they can't read. It's like right. so That's strange. what I'm saying. I don't understand so what strange. the hell is going on. <laughs> How could you just be on that thing all day and not understand it? So weird. And what they it's say is so that people weird. recognize and come to recognize the words they need to know. You know, and that was right. like the whole idea about this this method of reading is wow. about recognition. They would say like in, in they would teach kids there would be like a picture of a of a house and they'd be like, yeah. you know, our, our mom and dad went to you know worked in the today and there would be like them in the garden it's like what is the what do you think it is and it's like well that word is garden and it's like well we were taught gar den (laughs) gar den you know like they're basically learning how to read japanese because that's how you read japanese and chinese right 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 and I was saying to Michael, what's so funny about it is that even the Japanese, when they were opened by the West, were like, fine, fuck it. We'll do a phonetic alphabet. And they did. And they use it all the time. Because I think they realized that they were like, we probably didn't need to do it this way. Right. That's a great point. I never thought of that. Yeah. You right. would have to know tens of thousands of those symbols, you know, <sighs> to read. And we have to know. I don't know exactly what it is. It's like 40 something like sounds or something, you know, or whatever it is, like combinations. And then we just put them together. It's brilliant. We were basically crawling around in the mud while the Chinese and the Japanese and the Koreans were making great works of art and had huge empires, but they didn't get the they didn't get the writing down as well as the as the you know the Greeks and the Romans. I wonder why was the visual beauty of it part of the you know part of the reason why they were compelled to hold on to it? 
Cause probably. It is I, I also think gorgeous. it probably just, I think when you do something, it just makes sense. And it's like, well, no, this is the way we do it. You know, right, you don't like, question and, it. and what's so fascinating about the, as I remember about the, uh, the translation of Egyptian, hmm. when they finally hmm. got like Egyptian text translated was that they all thought it was an Asian style, but it's not, it's phonetic. Right. Like the symbols actually are still our sounds, which they were like, we did not expect that to be a thing. So I, what I think is that people just discover things differently in different ways. And then that's the way it goes, you know? Yeah. And then integrate it back into their own. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. Interesting. It's like, well, like the Chinese invented gunpowder, but didn't think to do a lot of things with it. Right. Like <laughs> Sometimes you just don't know what the other side can do with it or if it can be bettered or, or made worse, nuclear power, right? Probably right, the, yeah. the best example. Yeah, yeah, sure. Ultimate free source of energy, ultimate destructive power, yin and yang. All right, Dig, I want to hear what your next one is. All right, so yeah, I have a bunch here and I don't really know where to go, but this is one I thought of that I think is interesting. And it was kind of the old age at least as we knew in the 70s and 80s of photography and just developing photos. You know, now it's instant photos. We all have phones. We all have this camera, high res video and still photography camera in our pocket. And, you know, we take a picture. If we want to print it out and have a tactile, tangible version of that printer, we just print it out on our printers. They're all, you know, attached via the cloud to our computers and our laptops and our phones. But back then, you know, we would have these cameras with film, actual film, and then we'd have to take them, or our moms and dads would have to take them to get developed. Do you remember those little photography kiosks, those little Kodak kiosks in the um, strip malls and supermarket parking lots, right? Those little huts where you could drive up and drop your film off and then come back in the better part of a week and get your film, or you went to the drugstore, the pharmacy, dropped your rolls of film off, and then you'd get them developed. You'd get them back in that envelope with a little sticky top. And maybe the photos came out and maybe they didn't, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? It was a whole era of like, you know, nothing was instant. If you wanted to have those memories, if you were kind of a photo buff or you just wanted to have pictures from the family holiday or the birthday or unwrapping the presents under the tree, you had to wait. You know, it was a whole and it was a whole thing. Again, that labor, nothing was immediate. You know, you had to have the camera, you had to buy the film, you had to load the film, use up the spool take it to get developed, wait for that, come back. One right? hour photo. <laughs> right. And then the, the, when did that start? Did that start in the 60s? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like that was like a whole. It's so funny that that was like a, a thing you could opt into for a little bit more money. Right. And there were the little booths that were just like uh, could fit like one person, like a sarcophagus, basically Love in the middle of a parking things. lot. <laughs> it was like a toll booth. Yeah, I have no idea what that was going on with that. That was interesting. I love it. I love the memories of that. And then, of course, like I remember, I don't think mom and dad were like, I don't think they had the photography skills, right? They just didn't. So I remember getting, you know, wanting to go through those pictures, even as a kid, like, oh, let me see type of thing. And sometimes it would be a week and sometimes it would be six months, you know, right, but it was right. always interesting to get them back. <laughs> totally. And half those shots would be too dark, you know, thumb in the thumb in the photo, like they would be beat. You know, just for those few pictures, I always remember, I don't remember what the number was, but if you had a whole roll of film, it's like 24 or something, wasn't it? 24, 26, 28, something, yeah. whatever it was. Half of those, you know, 12, 13, 14 of those would just be beat. Remember you, you, know, get, you get doubles of them. So you get like a double of like just a, bl a blank shot, a black shot that you yeah. accidentally took. 
Then they started <gasps> time stamping them, which was interesting. The time stamps are cool. Yeah. That was cool. Cause now when you flip them over, you could see that. You know, mom and dad were really good about writing mm. on the back. So they would say Christmas 73 or whatever type of thing. But yeah, it was always something. The red eye, you know, that this was beat underlit. You know, the thumb, of course, was the big one or just unflattering shots. I mean, it was, it's the ratio of actual keepable like photos that you would put in an album, for instance, must have been so low back then. Because, again, like if you didn't know photography and lighting, it's not like you, like you were out with the light meter, like, you know, and, and take composing the shot and everything was on the fly. Every shot know? needed a new bulb. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it's such a funny era to think back on because now you'll never see the bad photo. You know, you'll never see the one with the hand in the shot or the ones with the the people in the background or the unflattering ones. Those are just kind of tossed to the side. And you only see people's good photos on Facebook, right on Insta. They're kind of bragging about their trip or their meal or their fancy vacation. But I kind of miss the days of like, Having those photos that, you know, were the, were, weren't the keepers, right? You want to see the bad eggs in the batch too. Like that doesn't even exist anymore. It would be so refreshing if people shared that kind of stuff still, because it would really harken back to an old age. I mean, I wonder how many shitty photos we don't even see, right? Because unless we find that old bin, that old box, that old produce box of photos, we're looking through albums too. So those were like the keepers, Right. So, but I, it's, it's the old, it's the kind of shitty photos I want to see, or somebody's not ready and telling them like, don't take the picture yet. Or they're finishing their cigarette. Like those are the kind of memories I want to see. Cause those are the real, those are the real moments of what it was like back then. It, they weren't the staged moments. It's also interesting to think that there could be roles of film that were never developed, you know, and like getting those That's developed, seeing what, seeing what it is, especially I'm sure there are. Oh, you would get your film back. So a lot of it was probably just all mixed up at some point. And you had no idea what the fuck was going on. Did that ever that I remember that happening, like getting the wrong pictures back. That happened at least twice that I can remember growing up. It's like, oh, we got this this poor family. We got their photos. That's interesting. That, or, you know, you'd have one mixed in. It was like, oh, oh. all of a sudden there's this wonderful Ecuadorian family. Like, you know, like it's like, wait, what? <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> it's just the it's just the flippancy that we take pictures with today that I think is annoying because they don't mean anything anymore. So everyone just always has is always feels like they need to take a picture of everything. I'm, it annoys the fuck out of me. It's hard. I don't. That's, yeah, I'm sorry. That's a tough. No, no, no. That's a. You know when I realized that when the kids were still little, like let's say by the time we had kid number two, or all this was four, maybe Graydon was two or three, and we're taking like. We're there either taking shots or taking video at like a preschool function, like a concert or something. And you realize I'm probably never going to go back and look at this. Uh, it's better to be in the moment. And in, in, in other words, sometimes I think, and I realize this only as a parent, it's better to be in the moment. Then you got to kind of weigh your times where it's like, all right, this is worth a few shots, a little, a couple of minutes of video, but then kind of get back into the moment. Cause you know what? Maybe we will in another 10 years or so, but we never go back and look at that stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it's better to just be really soak in the moment rather than try to document everything, you know? So I think that speaks to what you were just saying that, and that's when I realized it, you know, it's like, and I see it now with younger parents and I'm like, 
I wish they would. I wish they would realize it, but it's going to take a little time to, to finally realize like, Oh my God, I have a, a cloud storage worth of stuff that I, I'm never going to look at. And I don't even remember that because I wasn't in the, I wasn't enjoying it at the time. I was so, you know, I was trying to be Stanley Kubrick in the moment. Right. You know? Totally. It's interesting when I go to shows, I don't go to too many concerts anymore, but the many concerts I've gone to, I, I quickly learned and I just never did take pictures or video very much after a while because you could just go on YouTube. Like there's inevitably someone right in the front. I, every time I go to a show, I'm like, I, I'm no need. There's going to be someone has this entire thing filmed often in great quality. You just have to kind of rely on other people. And then, then you don't need to be the guy with the phone up anymore. Cause it's so funny watching concerts from before 2010, basically on YouTube yeah. where no one has any of the phones. It's so distracting and annoying. And I try not to be what I was going to say earlier was I try not to be the guy that's like, put your fucking phone away. You know, but what, but I do feel like just taking pictures specifically, like why do you need all of the, it's to your point, these like kind of f- almost fake memories. My phone crashed, my iPhone crashed in 2015 and I lost like everything on it from probably 2012 to 2015. And it's like, I don't know. I remember being really bummed at first. Like, oh, I'm going to all those memories are gone. And ultimately, no, they're not. It's like, I wasn't going to ever look at those. Who cares? You know, you were there. You were there. You didn't. Right. No, exactly. You didn't need to. uh, Yeah. So I agree with you. But it is funny. Like the preciousness of pictures, I think, has changed a lot. And and video, certainly. I mean, it's not comparable at all. The fact that we can just take such easy video is is insanity. And, and high resolution, high fidelity, beautifully, you know, oral. I mean, like what we have at our fingertips now is is so different than like what you just said 10, 15 years ago. It's insane. Like you would need to go out and buy like a proper Sony or Panasonic camera, especially for video. You know what I mean? High end video. First, it was high eight. Then it went into HD. And it, it's insane. The rapid evolution and the affordability not you know, but I think social media does play a lot, and I don't mean to say this in a in a judgmental way at all, but sort of status and and bragging and letting everybody know what you saw, what you did, or what you spent money on, or the wonderful right. meal you had. And a lot of it is is I think honest to goodness, just sharing. You know, the you know the the little wins in life. That's awesome. But I think, you know, I grew up with these people too, like even before the age of social media, we all know people like, seems like there's those types that do things just so they could say they did it, you know, do things just so they could brag about it. Right. And that's the very essence of a lot of people. Social media is like, oh, look what I bought. Look what I saw. Look what I ate. Look where we went. And I think if you take that out of the equation, you know, I think it would be a lot different. And you know what, what sort of percentage of that is sharing your joy versus outwardly obnoxiously bragging about it? You know, I don't know, you know, there, there's certainly room for both. And I guess it all boils down to that particular human being and what they're, what they're all about and their, you know, their sort of quality, their fabric. But I think if you take social media out, especially this is a big thing with Facebook and I think Instagram kind of found its way around this too in in maybe a negative way where it's like if you felt if you didn't feel compelled to always brag to the universe you know what i mean it's one thing to share it with your friends and family oh i went 
to Hawaii. It was bitching. Like, you know how long I've been dreaming of going there type of thing. Or, you know, I finally got, we finally got to this restaurant or whatever, but just kind of putting it out to the universe. There's something, I don't know. There's something maybe a little obnoxious about that. You totally. know? Or at least I'm very sensitive. I'm very sensitive to that. And again, I don't, I think maybe it crosses over to being a little too judgy for myself. I have to kind of check that at times, but you know, you understand what I'm saying. Sometimes it just seems like, I wonder if you weren't able to brag about this later, would you even done it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally, I, wonder, totally, totally I wonder how much of it is that now, you know? That's why I just don't even, I, I feel like I want to be on Instagram more because I feel, but I, it's a platform that I always say just makes me feel bad about myself. And, mm. and I also feel like it, that that's the, that's the one where it comes in the folk, what you're saying comes into the focus most. Like, what is the point of you doing this mm. really? And I've kind of come to the terms with the fact that I've, I've kind of become self-aware and more and more as I've gotten older. And I realize that some of the ways that I've even engaged with these things in the past have come out from just like wanting not even attention, but just interaction. Right. I guess it's one in the same in some way. Interaction. Yeah. And kind of having eschewed it in the last couple of years completely, except for kind of promotional purposes. So using it actually as its basis essence in some way. My life is more mysterious, I guess, to the outside world than ever. But no one loses anything by that the content still is good and it's just me not to your point oversharing what's going on in my life i don't think there's a need for you to see the picture of my fucking cheeseburger and then me jumping <laughs> in the pool and you know it's it does feel in some ways braggy or you're just showcasing the best parts of yourself and i just realized social media doesn't really do it for me anymore i've also realized that twitter is just it, again not having written on it personally in a, in a while just becomes more and more negative and it just seems like everyone's complaining about everything it's so embarrassing that now that i'm gonna lose my blue check mark probably by the time this goes live which is oh, something i'm actually really? really excited about because it feels liberating okay in a sense like everyone's losing their blue check mark and then you are you have to like pay for your check marks and do all of this even to get That's the yellow right. business check mark, you have to pay a thousand dollars a month for that. So if you see anyone with that that yellow check mark, they're paying a thousand dollars a month. If you see someone with a blue check mark and then the logo of a company next to their name, that's fifty dollars a month. So oh, I'm not paying. I'm paying zero dollars a month for Twitter. I don't give a fuck about that. Right. We don't. I don't care about Twitter that much. And I feel like it's just me slowly coming to the realization that maybe I just need to disconnect from this stuff entirely. But then I wonder how will I interact with the world? Not excuse me, I burped actively, but yeah, but how would I interact with the world in terms of how will I get my news? How will I understand things are happening? I've just kind of reprogrammed myself to have this news feed, this RSS style feed. And that's why I continue to use it. And, but I, I do think a lot of it is just braggadocious, attention seeking, riling people up, trying to get interactions and thumbs up and dunking on people. And I don't know, it's exhausting. It's actually pretty exhausting. And it could be exhausting and it could be daunting and it could be intimidating. You're right. It could be inspiring too. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm having, I'm struggling with it lately and I think I'm not a social media expert. I don't even use Twitter and Instagram as much as maybe I, I should or could certainly. And I, I go through my ups and downs with it, but I think we need an evolution. I, I like what you said just a few paragraphs ago, Kyle, like where it's like, maybe it's time to be a little more honest, you know, like, like 
you know, when you're having a bad day, share that when you that's something I would like to see. I would find that more relatable. Now, I understand the essence of social media. Let's say Instagram, right? It's kind of it takes a sort of fantasy tact. It's like, look how wonderful. Look at my photography. Look at my artwork. Look at my vacation. Look at my pets. Look at my family. The things I ha- I take joy in. Hobbies, tattoo artists are certainly big on Instagram, whatever it is. And there's a certain amount that could be inspiring and positive there for sure. I don't doubt that at all. And I, I see it that way often. It's just that, yeah, it's assessing when it gets to be a little bit um, indulgent or maybe a little bit crossing over to braggy, look how beautiful I am type of thing. Where, you know, that's just for th- those are the limits I set for myself or my sort of red flags with what I don't enjoy or what turns me off. But that I'm not imposing that on everybody. You know what I mean? That for me though, that's kind of the, that's oftentimes that's the appearance it takes for me where it's like, all right. And now, and now it's making me feel bad about myself. And a lot of that's on me, not on the person that is sharing whatever they're sharing on Insta or the things they're saying on Twitter or I'm sure this exists on Facebook as well, even though I'm not on there. So maybe it's just time for an evolution where it's like, it's kind of like where politics seems to be shifting, maybe hopefully back to the the center for a lot of people where it doesn't have to be so extreme. There could be new nuance. We could agree to disagree or just flat agree and come to come to compromise and stuff. Maybe that's where social media is. It's old enough now or it's been around. It's existed long enough where maybe we need that evolution where it just takes on a different appearance. At least that's the way I see it. You know what I mean? Like we could find new ways to share, just not make everything look like a dream or you know, sort of putting it out there in a passive aggressive way. Look how good I'm doing and maybe you're not doing type of thing. And, you know, there, there is something about sharing joy, especially with your loved ones or people that you care about or, or uh, a group of friends or who are the people that you're trying to reach. But there's something about, yeah, just broadcasting it to everybody that is like a, you know, it sets off alarm bells for me. I don't, I don't know what it is. And, and maybe that's humility. I don't, you know, and everybody has different doses of that in themselves. So again, it's not in a judgy way. It's just, yeah, that's, that's something for me. It's also a generational thing. All the generations use it differently, you know, and we all have to see that. I have to see the boomers. I have to see the 15 year olds. I have to see the millennials. I have to see my fellow Gen Xers. So it's really kind of an interesting hodgepodge, but Thank God we could, like you were just saying, we could kind of dip our toe in and sort of remove ourselves from the equation, you know, at our own, at intervals, however we choose, you know. So at least we could interact with it at our behest and we don't, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to do anything we don't want to do. But it, I, I do feel that, you know, I, I, I start to get turned off with it and then I go through my little periods of being a little more gung-ho about it. So it'll be... <laughs> I don't know. I'm so I'm so like all over the place with it. Yeah, you've always been really resistant to it, to using social media, too, which is which is good. I think in the long run, that's been a a smart position to take. I think people overshare. I think the big thing that I had to learn that a lot of people need to learn still is that you just don't need a uh, an opinion about everything or at least you don't Mm. need to broadcast. And I have opinions about a lot of things, but I just the only thing that's changed is that I don't feel the need to broadcast any of it yeah that's the only activity that's changed is i just don't broadcast it right otherwise yeah i have opinions i'm keeping of up. course all right how about this one dig all right i was curious what you thought about this 
I find it so interesting because I remember this so well when you would have to wait to get your report cards in the mail and then your teacher assignments like you were, especially when you were in elementary school and you'd be like, well, who's your teacher? And you would wait and then you would people would start getting theirs. And so you knew it was imminent. And I remember that with report cards and all of the rest. And I just feel like both of our sisters are teachers and obviously your wife's a teacher. So, you know, this firsthand and very well is that everything's online. They're always on their computers. They're always saying they're on these different apps. Like none of this existed when I was in, in school and certainly when Dagan was in school. And I find it so fascinating that everything is instantaneous. Your submission of your paper is instantaneous. Your receiving your grade is instantaneous. The first the only time I ever experienced the grades online was in college. And I remember go, you'd go to your portal and they would submit your grades over like a certain period of time. So you're just basically F5ing it every few hours to see if your grades pop up and this grade would pop up and this grade would pop up and this grade would pop up. And then you would finally get a full picture. And that was about my only exposure to it. But I'm so interested in a world where there is no it's not even mystery, although it is mystery. It's like you don't there's no waiting. No one's cobbling your grades together anymore into some sort of cogent thing that they then print out and send to you. And you try to intercept it so your parents don't get it or whatever you do. I mean, I, I was never like that, but I knew a lot of people like that or waiting for that South Country School District letter to come in telling you what your assignment for your class is in third grade and your best friend gets his the day before or whatever. I just feel like there's not a lot of mystery anymore. And a lot of that goes into I was even lamenting, not lamenting. because It's just so much more convenient now. But with Micah, like snow days, you don't have to wait and watch News 12 Long Island or whatever to see if you're if South Country <laughs> School District comes along the, the bottom and oh you're just waiting God. for it right now. You there are no more phone trees where things get canceled. There are no more rain dates. I, I was I was asking Mike, I'm like, do you ever remember? She didn't because she really didn't even grow up in the air. I'm like, do you remember when something would get announced far out like a library fair or something? And then there would be a rain date that would just be immediately announced. That would be presumed to be the date if something didn't occur that day. Like there would be no update. You would just have to make the assumption and hope for the best. Like that kind of right. shit doesn't happen anymore. It's it, all of that kind of stuff is different, but I, I really think it's reduced down to um, even dude, even kids. And, and this is in the box of shit I was telling you about, even sending home messages to parents, you know, September 29th, 1989. We're as a reminder, we're closed the following Monday. It's like this little piece of paper. And you have to like give it to your mom. Shit's all done. And I find that I find the uh, I find that so fascinating. I just missed that. And man, I remember getting the report cards. I remember the letters. I don't know. What, what do you think about this? Because you, you have kids. So you're obviously getting access to this stuff more instantaneously. And they are totally online. I mean, I remember even how annoying yeah. it was to print out papers. I remember when the expectation was you would no longer write your paper. You had to really type it up and you had to figure that out, you know, and it's just now you're just submitting things digitally and stuff like that. You can't if I gave even a floppy disk to one of my teachers in high school, they would have no idea what they want. I wanted them to do with that. So what do you make of all this, Dave? Dude, I, I, it's true. I mean, everything, all the info, all the info is instant, right? It's all via text. It's all via email. It's all instantaneous. There's no guesswork. I mean, by the time the kids now, by the time they get in high school, it's all like in the cloud. It's all in the laptop. You know, it's all one note or infinite campus. We want to see a grade. We want to see the, the work of a, of a paper in progress or the grade on a, on a quiz or a test for Lilia or for, the, you know, for Helene and I to check out. It's all online. You know, they still hang on 
to the test on paper, you know, on ditto, send home, sign in junior, you know, in, in um, elementary school. But I think by the time they're, you know, Graydon will be in junior high, seventh, eighth, and ninth um, starting next year, they start to make the transition by high school. It's all in the cloud. There's no, there's no more papers. There's no more, n- none of that, at least for nothing parent facing. Now, what's interesting, what's going on in my grade, I didn't tell you in, in my school district, rather, I didn't tell you this is they're conforming the structure of the school system to fit into the way we grew up. They're doing it now. So it's elementary is going to be K through three. Uh, there's going to be intermediate school for four and five with fourth and fifth. And then junior high is going to be six, seven, eighth. And then it's going to be four years of high school. They're actually changing everything. And we thought it was going to start in 2025, but it's starting in 2024. So that's really interesting. We have about a year left a year and and some months left before they kind of institute this. So Lilia will be graduating, but Graydon's going to be affected by it. So he'll, he'll end up having four years of high, two years of junior high and four years of high school, the way it turns out for him, which is interesting. But I was just thinking about all this because Helene and I had the parent teacher conference with Graydon's sixth grade teacher yesterday. And it's so different now, man, in so many ways. It was our third conference of the year. And Graydon, actually, I think I've told you this before. Graydon actually comes with us to the conference. Hmm. So it's the three of us meeting with his teacher. We have his, we have access to his report card beforehand. So we have something to discuss when we get there. So we could see it. Graydon can see it. We know what the prognosis is. We know what, you know, we know how it turned out. Why doesn't out. my kid know how to read phonics? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's all in black and white. It's all on the computer. We have access to it. We get there. We know what we're discussing. Even in so far as of next year, Graydon's going into junior high. We had the meeting with the, the assembly, I should say, back in early March, late February, about how this is going to be. There's going to be two more assemblies. There's going to be a day for the kids to go in and explore, get their schedules, get their lockers. You know, it's very, it's very organized. It's very, um, it's all, almost to the point of, I feel like, being processed, right? Like they're being processed, but I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you why, what all this organization and information harkens back to. It's because there's a constant sort of vetting of the students for the following year. So their academic performance, their grades, I guess behavior plays into it a little bit too. Exactly where they're heading for the following year is a big part of getting that information and being upfront and being sort of transparent and being as communicative as possible because they're already thinking about the following year, especially when they're transitioning from school to school. So when they're going from elementary to junior high, specifically and from junior high, middle school to high school, it's very, they always seem like at least six months out. And, and that's all about getting the kids ready for the following year. Instead of, I think we were just talking about this with the teacher yesterday with Graydon's teacher, who's great. She's awesome. But we were saying it doesn't really leave any room for performance as things get closer to the wire. For instance, Graydon's not going to be in honors English next year. And because he got a couple of B's. I think his first two semesters, he got B, he got a B in English. He got a B plus, a B, and now he's getting an A. And Lilia was like, 
you know, she told us like he really should be an honor English because he'll be on a track for AP once he gets to high school. But she was saying, mom and dad, it's not honors. English isn't that different. Like there's maybe a, a little bit of an ex, uh, a higher quality expected in what you read or something, but it's not that much different. So if he could get on an honors English track and he could handle it, I recommend it because then he'll be on target for AP once he hits at least, you know, ninth honors, ninth, and then 10th, he could do AP. So we're like, okay, we'll talk to the teacher about it and see what she says. And she was like, you know, he was one of those kids that I kind of had on the fence anyway for honors English, but she was saying like, I'll work with you. Like if he gets A's on the last, in the last semester, there's no reason why he couldn't, they wouldn't look at him for honors English. So in other words, letting us go down to the wire, let's see how he does, but they're deciding things so far out that I think it kind of robs kids of opportunities. They're also like, let's say with math, if kids are kind of staying afloat and then they still have four months of school left, especially when they're, they're hitting pre-algebra, they could go downhill real quick, right? So by the time they finish sixth grade, they're getting ready for junior high, they were doing okay. That last semester where they kind of flopped or had a downward trend isn't even being factored in. Now they're going into a higher math in junior high and they're not really ready for it. You know what I mean? So there's no room for play. There's no room for, there's no wiggle room. It's, it's kind of right-minded in the fact that you want to ki- put kids where they belong and also you want kids to perform and you're kind of encouraging them to perform higher and everything like that. And a lot of it's kind of insidious because in Pennsylvania, we have like the practical exams, which basically the kids have to take state exams, which basically ranks the school districts against each other. It's just so the school just can brag that we're in the top five, we're in the top 10 in the state. It's not really for the kids, right? So a lot of it is that too, which plays into real estate value. And you know it gets pretty deep. So I think a lot of it, just from being a parent of two kids in school, a lot of it is that they're trying to be out in front about everything for placement. And, you know, again, I think it's right headed for the kids and we're in a very good school district with high quality teachers and all that. So there's not a lot to complain about there. But I do think as the kids grow and change, you might be robbing them of some nuance. You know what I mean? When you're taking four or five months out of the equation sometimes, especially again, when they're if they're going from, let's say, third to fourth grade, they're in elementary school for another few years. Not that big of a deal. But when they're transitioning, they're getting to a bigger school. It gets harder our junior highs in our district have five elementary schools merging into each one, right? There's 15 elementary schools ter- total. They each God, five so many each schools. merge. That's so many schools. Yeah, it's insane. So, you know, it gets, so the, di- not only does it change academically, but the dynamic also changes as a lot more kids. You're meeting new kids. You know, it, I think there's, you're meeting the other higher performing kids, you're meeting the other kids of your ilk or whatever academically and all that kind of stuff. Not even to speak of the social things that you're dealing with at that age. So I think that's what it is, is that it's, it's an, it's a preparedness. It's maybe even crosses into an over-preparedness where you're constantly trying to make sure the kids are with the right, their peers academically and that they're in the right place. And, you know, but it's, 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 it's so far out in front that I'm like, it almost makes your head spin. You know, it's like, there's a whole nother half a year to factor in here. Like why are we already, you know what I mean? I know you have to kind of do your due diligence, but you know, where is the room for nuance? Where is the room for the rest of the year? So it's, it's that sort of thing, you know, and it's funny that you bring that up because we were just going through this with Graydon and his English with his reading and writing. And he's, he really enjoys writing. He's very creative. 
So I want him to be, I, I kind of am gunning for honors English for him just because I think when you're a better reader and you could speak to this Kyle, you're that plays into writing. That's the thing you really learn the most about writing is what you're reading. You can't, there are no writers that, that don't read. I don't think, I mean, that that would, that would be completely impossible. I'm not saying that you necessarily have to read books. I think that that's really important, especially in your formative, formative years to read books. I read fewer books today than I do have ever read, unfortunately. Um, me but too. that's just a time issue and a kind of a selection issue. And I also think I'm getting a lot of my stories from games. And I think games yeah. are an understated. I want to say they're they're novels in their own sense, but they can be in sure. some way. So, for instance, Final Fantasy 16 will have 11 hours of cutscenes, which is incredible. You know, in addition to all that's the insane. whole game. So there's a lot of story there. That's basically The Last of Us, but wow. more lo- longer than HBO's The Last of Us part one so just a that's incredible yeah so wow. just as an example or so they claim i mean who knows how they're counting that but i i believe it so it's it's interesting like there's something so fascinating about a kid's academics obviously how parenting plays into it how the different tracks they're on play into the opportunities they get later in life and how important it is to get that on track and like make sure that that's all that's all taken care of especially in a society that doesn't really mean it but does constantly tell everyone that they need to go to college and what i mean by that is society doesn't mean it because there's no evidence that that's true that you need to go to college i mean there the the evidence of that i think is shrinking I, i i keep encouraging people not to go to college unless you really know what you're doing like absolutely know that you want to be an electrical engineer at Apple. Okay, you're going to have to go and get your electrical engineer. BS. Definitely. No doubt. Right. But if you want to be, course. I don't know, you want to work at a car dealership, you want to do something like that, you want to even start a business. Yeah. I don't know that college, you need to go to college. You know, that's my personal a opinion. Train? And I know that's easy to say as someone who went to college, but I just say that in reflection of how much money I paid to go. And the social experience, which was vital, but I don't think I honestly don't think I learned anything in the classroom at Northeastern that I really needed. I know a lot about history. There's no doubt, but I don't think any of it played into my success in life. I don't believe that. In fact, I interrupted my gaming career, as it were, to go to college (laughs) because I got my because I got my offer for my jam when I was a freshman. Isn't that funny? That's such a funny perspective. And I was like, no, not yet. I want to graduate from college. And I didn't. And I, and I, I, I could have left several times, but I didn't. But in reflecting, and I, I'm glad I made that choice because I graduated from college, which is important for me as, a, I guess, a person who feels like he has some sort of intellect. I think that that's important to maybe sharpen yourself in that way. I sure. love history and I, I got to learn a lot about it and do cool things and have cool access to materials and opportunities like working at the mass historical society on projects and all the rest which i did and i was an intern there and that was super cool and obviously my friendships and and all those experiences and heartaches and all the rest i mean that all just shaped me into who i am so i wouldn't change anything i'm just saying if you're going in just make sure you have a plan and that it's not getting an american history degree you know it's and no offense to people with american history degrees like me (laughs) but my plan wasn't going to go I'm going to go to law school or my plan was like I'm just going to become a professor I guess that's not really a practical thing I'm just telling you it's not a lot of people go into their not just history a lot of things thinking they're going to teach you know they're going to teach it at some level 
whether it's the you know college level or or lower. It's funny that you bring up the tech school thing, Kyle, because you know you know where I live. We're very fortunate. It's a very high performing public school district, very high ranking in the state. But we know we have a tech school for the high schools, but it's notoriously downplayed. Like I've watched it over the years. I've been out here a long time. I've seen them ignore this place. You know, they're like, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the yokels that go there, like we're just, they're just kind of bringing down the state exam grades or whatever. And that's kind of the way it's always been treated and it's not right. And this year we got a note back like a week ago from Graydon's elementary school principal saying the kids are going on a trip to Bucks Tech like a field trip. And I was like, holy shit, this is new. Like they're actually acknowledging it and say, you know, basically telling kids like, maybe you want to pursue a trade. Maybe you want to learn how to repair cars or do HVAC or lighting or plumbing or, you know, these the things that we're going to need, you know, that no one seems to want to do anymore. So that's been interesting to see, like maybe there's a uh, readjustment to the perspective of, you know, like maybe not all kids need to go to college. Maybe they'll pursue a trade. That was like the first brush I've seen our school district have with it. And again, it's a week old, but I thought that was really refreshing. I was like, wow, they're just not ignoring that giant building down the street. Like they're actually going to tell kids, hey, this is an option too. Once you get to high school, you may want to think about whatever they offer. That's a good you know, option. That's the, that's what annoys that's what option. annoys the fuck out of me about it is that you can make a great you can have a great life. Right, exactly. Like we've we've downplayed blue collar work to such a degree that people think and feel that it is lesser than and it really bothers me because it's, it's not only and I don't mean this in like some politician populist way it's like they are the that shit is the lifeblood do you think I'm the fucking lifeblood of the United States I sit in my goddamn <laughs> house and play video games <laughs> I am it's like it's white collar it's like clown collar you know <laughs> People are out there doing the hard work of making sure that my supermarket is stocked with food to make sure that there's oil in the gas tanks underneath or gas in the gas tanks underneath the gas stations that deliver our freight, that deliver our mail, that cook our food, that do all these things. And that alone, which I think is like, you know, varies from no skill work to, you know, pretty significant skill work has just been downplayed as if it's like, that's what you do when you fuck up. And I think that's been a huge mistake. And oh, it's antiquated be, be, mindset. Well, what's funny is, is that the truly antiquated mindset was the the nuclear family with the one income with one income of a dad mm-hmm. who worked as a fucking car mechanic or he was a janitor. And maybe if you were upper middle or middle class or upper middle class and not working class, you had a dad who was a lawyer or you had a dad right. who was a, maybe a teacher or a professor or something. And I'm not saying that that's the ideal, but there was a time where that seemed to all mix up and there was less judgment. And you understood that Bobby was good at with cars and he and it was cool that Bobby was like kind of we would call her call him a greaser or whatever. But the reality is like Bobby can fucking do anything with that engine and we'll yeah. send Billy off no, to Harvard because he's really good with numbers. But there's a place for this. And I feel like, yeah, in the. In the 70s, 80s, definitely in the 90s and so on, people were like, no, you don't. You, everyone's got to go to college. Everyone's got to have access to college. You got to go to college. And there's this group of people, a sizable group of people that know the secret, which is important, which is there are plenty of people without a college degree that have a technical skill that make way more money than you with your college degree and have Absolutely. a way more stable life. And 
they have to deal with kind of being looked at in some way as being lesser than because they don't have a bachelor's degree or something. Meanwhile, That's they're crazy. your HVAC guy that has deep technical skill making $150,000 a year. And easily that's the that's the point I wanted to get to in a laborious way, obviously, which was all it takes is someone going into a classroom of boys and girls because Michael went to she's like a machinist, like she was the machine in machining in high school and into college. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, someone just needs to which if she stays, she's I think sometimes regrets that she didn't stay on that track. She didn't stay on that track because she is so feeble in size that she felt like she was, (laughs) you know, she's like a. She's a little girl, you know, like a little woman. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it can be hard to move things and be in that space or whatever. But I think she sometimes regrets it because people make that's a technical skill and people make good money. And I think that when you're young and there are a few things that people need to walk into a classroom and say to kids, I think. And one of the and one of them is. Like embrace what you're good at shop class and woodworking and all that isn't a place to escape to or that you send your downtrodden and bad kids to embrace this opportunity and maybe go to a we, we had BOCES on Long Island, like go to one of these schools yeah. to learn yep. a trade. And by the way, it's a totally valid thing. And by the way, if you're a plumber, you're always going to have work. There's not going to be a robot. Dr. Wiley hasn't yet made the robot that will plumb. Right. And <laughs> nope. It, or an electrician or something like like some HVAC, like we said, Embrace yeah. that shit, man. I think that that's good You'll be stuff. In demand. Yeah. In demand. It's insane. And it's 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 so. I mean, you know how often, like, especially when my career is going through a lull, working in entertainment, and how hard it gets. So sometimes I wish, like, wow, it would have been so much easier to just go into something like that where you could be steady, make a great living, and just do what I love to do on the side. But also, the other thing that you say there, you don't just don't sort of discount people's passions too maybe little billy doesn't know only know his way around an engine maybe that's what he loves to do you know what i mean so i've always been very lucky with that with mom and dad because they were they were always of that notion they were very kind of ahead of the curve with pursue what you love but go to college they were very go to college at the yeah, same I time think, i personally think mom and dad did us favors and did us no favors depending on how you look at it right like i think right. actually you made I well I don't know what they said to you or whatever no one sat down and said this probably isn't a good idea we want you no. to know that like that, like <laughs> you have to really think care and maybe it was maybe it was a good idea but I, I maybe that's the wrong way of framing it someone no one sat down with me and said do you know what you're doing what you're about to endeavor upon do you understand how it all works and the reality is, is that I didn't and I had no idea. I didn't care. I just did it and probably would have still done it. But no one even sat down and tried to instill in me the gravity of it or that I had options. And I don't know what right. my option would have been outside of college because I was more academically inclined and far less. Dude, I'm not going to be a contractor. I mean, I think we all knew that by the time I was probably four. <laughs> right. God bless. But I don't think that that I don't think anyone had any illusion I think people were really surprised when I took the like landscaping and kind of using machines outside because they're like, wow, I didn't expect that you would you know, want to get on this huge mower, or do you know, use these <laughs> these chopping tools and all these different. And I'm like, no, this is cool. This is kind of the most mannish I'll get. This is kind of Me just too. my little yeah, mannish as as fraction. <laughs> but otherwise, I'll be very womanly over here in the corner. But no one ever has said to me, I guess no one ever presented me those options. And I kind of resent in hindsight 
not that I didn't go down a blue collar path because that's not for me, but that. I it's almost like indoctrination, like you're almost indoctrinated to be like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't become the garbage man. You don't want to become the janitor or whatever. And it's like, why not? Right. I mean, like, why not? Why can't you te- right. talk about those with respect to you have to put down all these things just to to give the illusion that people have to go to college and then fewer than a third of American adults even graduated from college. So, like, what what has it gotten you other than like tons right, exactly. of debt? Lots of people that have degrees that they don't need the complete flooding of degrees to the point where they don't mean anything, There's which is a, a huge that, part. Yeah. My, my friend. Tiana Lowe would bring that up when I would interview her back in the day. She would always say that that that's that's the major problem of everyone going to college is that there are too many degrees. Which is why everyone's like, it used to be you need a high school diploma and now and then it's like you need a college degree and now it's like you need a master's degree. Yeah. And people don't yes. think that's a racket. Come on. So listen yeah, to me. Think degree. carefully. Yeah. <laughs> listen to Uncle Kyle. Uncle Kyle. Just think carefully. Do what you gotta do. <laughs> but just think carefully. Understand yes. that I went to Northeastern and had free tuition because my mom taught there and still paid $80,000 for room and board. Okay. I didn't. Do you think I thought twice about that? I mean, no. Clearly the answer was no. <laughs> Some schools are that per year. I think Dude, if NYU I paid tuition, is it been, oh, it's close to 100000 a year. What is? That's in NYU. Oh, NYU. Yeah, I would believe it. Yeah. It's, I mean, which I is think absurd. So. I, it's insane. To be indoctrinated. Like. <laughs> it's it's really it's a it's a, and i'm not you know uh pointing fingers at nyu i have friends that went there it's it's not just nyu i mean it's everything but you're right there's there's multiple avenues just so people know there's avenues and it's not just about you know making a living and having a life which of course is a huge part of it. everybody wants that but passion love what are you going to do what what are you going to contribute you're get, using your gifts um and happiness Come on, let's have a little happiness, my friends. I would have got out of animation a long time ago if it didn't make me happy because it is a tough racket, my friends. Tough racket. I don't think anyone ever directed me and it said like, this is where how you make money or this is what you do. Because the other things I was going to I was going to say was. In that same classroom, right, they walk yeah. in, they say, hey, give the full gamut of opportunities a look. No shame in any of them. They should also say other things like you know, don't have kids out of wedlock and try to give everyone the best possible opportunity. You know, don't don't have unprotected sex. If you have sex, you know, use protection or birth control and all those things. That's another thing that should be said. But in that in that same room, they also need to say to kids, here's how money works. And that's another thing that people don't really. Dude, I watch some of these like financial shows where people have like all this debt and I'm like, how do you not know? what you're doing. How do you not know this? And I don't think our parents, well, I can say my, our parents didn't teach me anything about my, I learned it because I was interested. And I said over and over again, Susie Orman on CNBC oh, that's was how funny. I learned about caring about money when I was in high school. Okay, I was like, all right, so this woman's saying, don't carry debt, pay off your bills, be smart with your money. I was really taking all this on board, have an emergency fund and all this. And that's how I just even became self-aware. But a lot of people, why would why would a fucking 14 year old other than Colin be watching MSNBC? <laughs> that's very Colin. So or whatever I was watching CNBC. And so I that's the that's the other important thing that I think they need to go into the, the classroom, the same classroom and say, yeah, all these different things like this, this conventional wisdom. Don't use credit cards. Don't take out enormous amounts of money for college. Don't 
let money burn a hole in your pocket. Here's how money can work for you. Here's how you can safely store it. Here's how you save it and all the. These are the lessons we've gotten way off track, Absolutely. but those are the things that I want to. Oh, it's it, it annoys me. I mean, have your kids had that education? Like, should, should someone have just, that education? The kids to be like, here's how a credit card works. Here's what a mortgage absolutely. is. You know, here's how you here's what a credit score is. Here's how you you lease a car. This is why you would want to maybe buy a car. This is what it's like. This is how taxes work and sales tax. This is what income tax is that no one learns any of that. It's insane. At least in my yeah. experience. Well, I shouldn't say no. I'm sure there are people out there that learn that, but it seems like many yeah, a person doesn't taught. learn that. I really wasn't taught. Grandpa, our grandpa taught me a little bit about that. You know, growing up, he would impart little tidbits of financial, you know, wi- wisdom to me. But mom and dad really didn't. And I don't know why he took that on with me. You know, like if he would get when I was a kid, he would give me a twenty dollar bill to have, have a blast kid. You know, when I was older and he gave me money, he would impart some sort of, you know, a little kernel of wisdom like you know save this or use it for you know what i mean the you know the type of things you spend half save half those little little things little things but otherwise i really didn't have it my kids are very again very mature with it you know i told lilia like last year you if you keep these grades up don't worry about getting a job while you're still in high school you, you're busy with dance you compete you dance five days a week and you get straight a's it's got like almost a 4.0 average if you keep this up you don't have to work We'll take care of it. She got a job. She starts like next week. You know what I mean? She wants to have her own money. And she, I thought because she was always such a, like a wanty kid, like she loved to go shopping. She loved toys. She loved, but I thought I was so worried. I think I've said that on the podcast about like when she got her own account and her own mm-hmm. debit card and stuff, she's so responsible with it. You know, that's great. She's a little bit of a spendthrift, actually. I'm like, you're a little bit of a miser. You got to wow, cut the shit. Interesting. Type of thing. Yeah. She and Graydon's always been a saver. He's never been like, I need this, I need that. It's, it was only when he discovered Nikes that he was like, I want to spend my money on Jordans. But even what you know, he, he'll buy a pair of sneakers every six months. It's not like he's, you know, he likes to oh save. Oh my god, I used to, I used to, to just let money, money burn put, a hole in my pocket so bad. Oh my when god, I was, like, I when was, I was the a kid. worst. No, it was awful. Was it worst. was awful. I mean, I didn't, <laughs> dude. I didn't have a thousand dollars to my name until college, like at that at one time. <laughs> I, I remember you. when I got a thousand, when I had over a thousand dollars in my bank account, and I was like, oh my god, I have. <laughs> and then I took three hundred dollars out and bought an ounce of weed with it, or something. Probably, like I, I probably didn't <laughs> care at all. And I remember. I remember quitting my job after I hurt my shoulder and after 9-11, I just never went back to my deli job and I had $500 saved up and I'm like, I'm going to make this last like the rest of the school year. And I did. <laughs> you yeah. did. Like really carefully going to movies here and going to this and going yeah. to this. But when I was like Graydon's age, I was buying toys, video games. I remember saving $70 to get the ad at and that being like excruciating. Like I was like, oh, That's my God, because <laughs> there's all these other things. I buy books. I buy a lot of books and a lot of whatever D&D shit. And oh, just whatever. whatever. I get my hands on hockey cards. I had no focus. No, I was out of control yeah. with that. Sucks. Too. Awful. It's, and Awful. It's, it's, it's like, man, I'm so glad to hear that these kids are not because like, it doesn't seem like Dana's kids or Ayla, Ali's kid are the same. Like they seem to be much different, which is awesome because, man, I would just go fucking off if I had 10 or 20 dollars in my pocket. I'd be like, we're going to the toy Me store, too. you know? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I don't know what the, ch- the change is. They, maybe it's that they were more 
they, they were more spoiled. They never really wanted for anything where I really had to pine for things when I was a kid. We've talked about that on the podcast relentlessly, but you know, maybe, maybe it has to do with that. It's just like, they learn like, all right, like I could, they, they're much more chill about wanting things. So, so if that worked out that they, they got a lot more than me as kids, maybe that worked out mm. in our favor, you know, where they really do, they they value the money and they're, they're grateful and they're thankful and they want to, you know, I'm shocked Lily got a job. I really didn't want her to. Yeah. Well, you, well, you were going to give her like an allowance or something. Yeah. You know, she, if she's, again, she doesn't ask for a lot, but if she was going out with her friends, you know, if she was going to go bowling or whatever on a weekend or every other weekend or every third weekend, just give her 25 bucks. You know what I mean? The kid gets straight A's. She's only got two more years to go. She's going to write her own ticket. Like that's what's important. You know what I mean? If she didn't do well in school, it might, the dynamic might be different, but since I think she's got that sewn up and she's kind of, you know, the finish line is in mm-hmm. sight. That's my, you know, Helene feels the same way. That's really our emphasis, but she got a job at the water ice place. She applied and I was like, ah, I don't know. Like, is it going to take away from school? Is it going to take away from dance? You're already exhausted. You know, she really wants to, she genuinely wants to work and make her own money. And I think it's also a social mm-hmm. thing. Right. It's another kind of social avenue to meet friends and, you know, be a kid. So I, she has my blessing, but then she got the job. So I'm like, you're one for one. You never got turned down from a job. This is yeah, amazing, awesome. you know, type of thing. So, you know, I, you were more power to her. I didn't want, you know, dad made, when I was 16, when I turned 16, I was forced to go to work. I didn't want to. I wanted to yeah, I remember the, I remember the same experience. I mean, that's why it's so <laughs> interesting is to. that it was because my first job was when I was 14 at the stables which was mm. kind of like under the you table and like my friends and I were right. like my friend, our friend Corey's mom. I don't know what their deal is. They even either owned it or co-owned it or something. And she would like administrate it. So they would pay us each $25 a day to come just like I, I basically there's just a huge row of stalls, like massive row of stalls. And you just take a horse in the one, put it into the next one, clean that stall put the horse in, then take the horse, put it in another stall, clean it up. And then there were certain horses I remember like you couldn't interact with because they were okay. either like high end horses or like crazy and like not and very temperamental. So they're like, don't go to this. Don't even fuck with that horse. Don't even right. like just fucking stay away from that horse and shit. Like, it was it was hysterical. And that was so that was my my first job. And I did that for and we would do that all spring and summer, I think, for those two years. I think it was like ninth grade, tenth grade, something like that. But my first job, okay. like real job, was at the deli, the Swan Deli, as I've, I've talked about many right, times. I remember that well. And yeah. I was making six dollars an hour under the table. And uh dad, I remember being like, you gotta get a job. And I remember being so happy that I, that job kind of fell in my lap actually, because my friend Anthony, whose uh older sister is Janine, who's Allie's best friend. Oh, that's right. He worked Janine, there and right? we had a math class together or something. He was a year below me. And he was like, you want to just like, you want a job? And I was like, yeah, all right. So I, I, I <laughs> went and worked there and that was, uh, that was the expectation, you know? But even when I was doing that, I would make probably a hundred dollars a week or something. I don't know what it was, but not even that. It was probably, it was probably even less than, let me think here. I remember working like three and a half hours after school, two days a week. And then I worked Saturday and Sunday. So like my whole okay. fucking week was shot. Basically it sucked because <laughs> I also played hockey and everything. Dad didn't give a fuck. I remember my hours were. It was something like 10 to 5 on Saturday and then 8 to 5 or something on Sunday. So I wow, that's your whole Horrible. weekend. Yeah, that's your whole weekend. And that was the expectation. But <laughs> I'd save up 50, 60, 100 dollars and right to the mall buy buy a PS1 game, buy a PS2 game. Whatever the case might be. Eat at the food court. 
It's so easy because all you know the roof, the clothing, the three squares. Mm-hmm. It's all provided for you, so it's just pure entertainment money at that point. You're not even driving, so it's dad's gas money or all your my friends, friends that were driving or whatever. All right? my friends, so, all my friends drove, and it was a perfect thing because people are like, "How did you get around in high school without your license?" I'm like, "Well." <laughs> everyone is so excited to drive and i i kind of lived in the middle of everything i mean we kind of just lived we lived really near the school so it was just we were not like out of the way and i'm sure it was yeah, annoying sometimes but my friends all lived around me and everyone's like oh yeah we'll go anywhere like they'll they would do anything to drive where do you want to go like what do you want to do you need a ride to work like all i that's my experience remembering it i think it loses it loses it after that and at that point you don't, you know, it becomes more of a problem, but that's how I remember. Yeah. Remember the situation. At first, you just want to go. You, yeah. You got that independence, man. You got the, you got the wing, the wind at your back. Yeah. I never absolutely. craved it, to be honest. I was just like, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I, where am yeah, I supposed yeah, to, where yeah. am I going? I don't know where I'm, <laughs> what is it going to do? I'm probably going to just drive to McDonald's and become obese or something like that. <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> All right. We've been going a while, Dave. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up here on this one? You know, I'll give a shout out to one that I remembered because this was, torture as a kid and i'm a lot older than you so this may have abated by the time you know you had your memories of this but i remember lines just waiting in lines for anything were torture especially when i was little when i was little little like i remember waiting with mom in the line for the bank it was like if i knew we were going to the bank i'd be terrified because i knew i was going to be in the bank for what honestly was probably a half hour but it felt like all day when you're a kid because it's boring as shit and you know again you got to think this is before online banking you know this is before you could bank over the phone when you had a bank transaction this was even before atm machines were big so i'm thinking back to being really little like you went to the bank to do your banking, to deposit, to withdraw, like you had to go to the physical brick and mortar right, bank. Right, or the drive up, the right? To drive through. T- yeah. The, there were drive throughs. And I don't know why grandma and grandpa and maybe our aunts and uncles were big on the bank drive throughs, but I don't know why mom and dad always seemed to want to go into yeah. the bank. Maybe I can, I can imagine I dad know. not being down with pneumatic tubes, you know, <laughs> like not knowing where they go. <laughs> That was like a relatively new thing in the 70s, right? I mean, that probably started in the 60s. Yeah, something right? like that. And yeah, the 60s. But that's a good that. point. Yeah. That there was the drive-through, but I just remember being in the bank. Oh, no, I totally I know, know what you're talking about. Is it, Dude, oh, I am God. so fascinated by what's oh, so funny you brought this up. I am so fascinated by old banking that I've been trying to understand it better and I don't really get it. Like I I've watched some pretty deep stuff about it. Where I'm like, how did you, this is how, you know, catch me if you can. The, the, it's a book, but the oh, movie, yeah, of course. And he's just flagrantly for years using fake checks. Like yeah. there was it's because there was these easily manipulatable factors of, of check of money where they, it wasn't instantaneous. There was no way to do it instantaneously. And I'm so I still don't get how it works. Like I've watched old of the time videos of like you work at a bank, you know what? Here's your first day at the bank. And, and it like shows you all these different things. And I've tried to like watch them carefully and understand. I'm like, I don't get it. How did how did everyone know? Like, what was how did you not manipulate the situation? And obviously, like I said, people were manipulating it, but it's people so did, yeah. it's so fascinating. And so you're talking about kind of the end, the end part of that era where it's like, well, yeah, the automated teller, 
the ATM could could give you money in some places. But yeah, you were usually just going in, getting your money. If you owned a business, man, God forbid, because you would be in there every day having to wait on that line. And it was a there was no quick transaction at that time. So that you're right. I do remember that being a laborious like choice. You got to go to the bank. Going to the bank meant something different. Going to the bank now is kind of like going to the dry cleaners. (laughs) But going to the bank then was like going to the supermarket. You know, you were going to be there for a minute. Yes. Yeah. I I go to the bank now. Like if I'm taking Lilia, she has a check from one of her grandparents, a deposit or something. I'm like, why are people here? Like, why why is there anybody at the bank? Why do they still employ tellers and i'm pretty old school i don't even do online banking like i still do phone banking only gets so mad at me but like why would you go to the bank and even if you have don't have direct deposit just go to the drive-thru or the atm and deposit your check like why do i need to deal with a teller of course there are reasons but i think at the supermarket too was an excruciating experience as i liked supermarkets as a kid but the checkout line I go to this. I haven't waited in a supermarket line in years. Like I was just thinking about this this morning because I was at Wegmans. But even the the supermarkets that I frequent, there are maybe two or three checkout people, cashiers, and literally, I'm not even exaggerating, fifteen to twenty self checkout lines. If you're waiting in the line at the supermarket in 2023, you're doing something grossly. Yeah, wrong. or you have like I mean, a big 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 shopping where you want you don't but even then you don't want to ring but yeah yourself. but it's like i would Just i kind of like yourself. doing it myself you know i do i don't care i wish we had the buttons care. to play with that's the only thing i miss is they have the clicky buttons i wish we had the clicky buttons to play with because that would i remember being at supermarkets and like get, i got in trouble once for just clicking like i couldn't help it you know i had access finally to a button i was just like and you go into staples or something and they'd always have like the example of the one cash register <laughs> you should just be all over that thing so I wish that we had more of the clicky buttons, but you're totally right. It, it's, right? A, it's a double whammy because you even, dude, even when we go to BJ's, which is the price club, a price club for people that don't know. Yes, sure. We, we use the self checkout there and you have like huge ass, you know, your big ass fucking products and I'm using the gun, like the wireless gun. They're just the gun is awesome. I love the gun. And then they have the guy, you know, that's like I told you when they're checking. I have the two pound bags of walnuts, the two peg pounds of almonds. Oh, someone's doing some bacon. Yeah. That's awesome. No, sir. I'm eating these straight the fuck up. These are just these are just a snack. Someone's you not, don't even know. You don't know me. I'm doing some it's bacon, crazy, old like, man, but it's not the kind you think. <laughs> what happened? I feel like lines like something hit ahead with lines like 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. Like lines don't exist anymore. Like even I think of like the worst case scenarios like Disney World. Now you got the Fast Pass. We were at Disney World most recently, like about three years ago, and it was so night and day different between going to Disney in the eighties, you know. And we went a couple of times with the kids recently over the last five years, six years. So that's different. And then I think of like day to day life lines that are, you know, like usually pretty heinous. Like I think about Chick Fil A. Oh my God, why is Chick Fil A? And they they're so quick too. So they're quick. So they have a they have some operation. It reminds me a lot of in and out actually, in that regard. They're very Yeah, they're really a tight operation. Or I think of like In-N-Out Burger in L.A., right? Like sometimes there's no way around it. But Chick-fil-A now instituted like a two and sometimes three drive through lanes 
which is, and sometimes four. I think I have a Chick-fil-A out here with four drivers. You're not even waiting in Chick-fil-A. Maybe there's a couple of cars ahead of you. So everything's about convenience, processing you through the line, not waiting. Definitely speaks to like our day-to-day life just with technology at our fingertips, everybody with their computer in their pocket. It's the same thing. Like, And I think of the kids, like they don't have to wait in line anymore. They don't, they have no patience because they never had to learn patience. It's like they don't, there's no line at the supermarket. We never go to the bank. They don't even have to wait in a fast food line on a Friday night. Like Chick-fil-A figured that out. We go to the theme park. They get the fast pass for a little extra money. The only time I could think of the kids that have to wait in line, and it's because they want it. It's not because I want it. It's Starbucks. Starbucks still, because I think just the very nature of having specialty, fully customized beverages, you can't do it that fast, right? Especially priding yourself on the quality plus the price, right? Like nobody's going to get, nobody wants a shitty latte for $9. Like if I'm going to buy a $9 latte, I want you to make it the right way. There's no real fast way to Mm. do that, even though they try to do it as quick as they can. You know, that's kind of the last vestige I think of waiting in line is Starbucks. And that's because everybody wants it. And Starbucks is not, they can only go so fast. I mean, there's eight people working back there. You can't have 16. There's no room. They would have to overhaul the entire operation in order to get it faster and probably spend too much money. You know, you're right. Like I, I, to do it. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing is, it's just, I think of the, I think of everything vis-a-vis my kids yeah, what was my experience like at their age or younger? What is their experience? And they just have it so much better than uh, than we did. You know, we really, I, and maybe that's why we have so much more character. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I I don't. I'm like Doctor Evil when you know rolling up in his in his little wheelchair when someone asks me to wait in line for something. I'm like, how about no? You know, <laughs> like I I going to movies. It's like I'm going to a movie where you pick your seat, or I'm not going to the movie. Yeah. Straight up, that's Absolutely. not happening. I'm not going because I'm not <laughs> waiting in a line. I'm not having the agita of fucking knowing where I'm going to sit and all of that. I hate that shit. It's like sending me to an Islanders game and seeing like, you're not going to have a, a, an assigned seat. It's like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to have an assigned seat. It's not, it's not another <laughs> thing. That's why I think it's crazy that there's the Packers, I think, still play like Lambo. I think, still has bleachers. And I'm like, how does that work in an era wow. where the seats are hundreds and thousands of dollars? You know, I don't I understand that. that. Holy shit. Like where you have a little space, I guess, but you're still on this. It's like, so the fat fucking dude next door is, the, I, I don't know. Anyway, those are real fans. Yeah, that's, that's hard. Wow. That's hardcore. But that's hard. But I, so I've eliminated that stuff from my life. Mostly. It's funny. You bring up the lines at fast food. Cause we have a, it's the flawless McDonald's. I always talk about near our house. It's just always <laughs> awesome. I don't know what's going on at this McDonald's, but again, always awesome. But we went there the other day. We were waiting in the line. It's one of those things with two lines, but it wasn't moving. It almost seemed like there was a problem or something. So I'm like, ah, fuck it. Okay. I'll use the app. Get out of line. And then, of course, the line started moving. I went, I used the app and then went inside and then I had to wait. Like they were, I would, we would have gotten our food probably 10 minutes, 10 minutes quicker. So I, I, I should have been more patient and just waited in the line because I was like the least important thing there because they were doing the, they were doing the orders for the window and then like the DoorDash orders of the people coming in. And so I'm just like the guy just standing there waiting. I mean, it's an empty place, but it was cool to see their operation. And what I realized about their operation, there's nothing seemingly remarkable about it. They're just good. At, OK, because I'm like, how how are you so how are the fries always so good there? How is it so quality? The only thing they fuck up sometimes because I get no mustard, no pickles is sometimes they give me no onions as well. 
Oh. Which and at, at that point, I'm like, nah, all right. And I just leave. Uh, you yeah, let yeah it go. I'm like, fine. I mean, the, the sliced, <laughs> as you know, because you're a, you're a quarter pounder guy, right? Like I am. Yeah, I like quarter the, pounders. The, yeah, yeah. the sliced onion is like part of part of it. You got to yeah. have it. That's why you get so I it. usually just go home and I'll just slice an onion and put it on there. Yeah. Oh, you put it yeah. on. You do it yourself. It's a well-oiled machine. I like a well-oiled machine. I think it's rare. It's rare. I see the guys at Chick-fil-A, the kids come out with the iPads. They're, they don't fuck around mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A. If they, even if those four, because it's a drive, it's two drive through lanes, but either side, this one particular one. So the driver or the passenger could do the order on two different things. And then if that's not enough, then they'll send the kids out with the iPads. They really want to process you out. Of oh, yeah. There. They want you out. Chick-fil-A, yeah, the, you know, and I think yeah. you make a good point about the movies, right? It's like if people are going to go return to the movie theater with, you know, so many things can be, you know, subscription services and just being in the comfort of our own home. The last thing you want to do is put up a barrier for entry, right? You don't want to have people wait in line. You want to make that a, a enjoyable, seamless experience where people are just going to stop going. So now, yeah, people see a line at the movie theater. That's all they're going to need to just finally stay home for good and all. Dude, I used to hate you know? going to the movies just for like, I mean, I liked going, but I'd go early. I'd always be like, people are like, oh, let's try Me to too. skip the previews. Or I'm like, are you crazy? We're going to do the exact opposite. We're going to get there <laughs> while they're still fucking cleaning that movie theater. Because I'm yes. not I'm not dealing with having to sit in some shitty seat or be in some situation. Absolutely. You know, 100%. You're exactly 100%. wrong about what we're about to do you with that movie it. theater. <laughs> <laughs> so now, yeah, I love that because now I just roll in. Now I'm like, let's just go. I always, I like to get my concessions. I, I think popcorn. I like my getting my popcorn, my pop, my Coke. Mm-hmm. No ice. Popcorn is no way to cheat, but you got to make the five below run before the movies. I'm, you, why pay nine dollars for the raisinets when you could pay two? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. But the thing is, is that I don't want any of that other shit. I just want the popcorn. Okay. You know. I, but I understand too. other people doing that. I forgot to say this. You would find this funny. I used to go. There was an ArcLight Cinema in Santa Monica. I used to go to. I don't know if it's there anymore because I know I know some of them closed. But and I used to. I I was going through this thing where I was trying to see a movie a week, which I quickly fell off of. I was like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I, but I, there was like a while where I was just going to the movies, trying I to get back that. into it. And there was a McDonald's down the street. It's actually a really horrible McDonald's. It's like a McDonald's that's in a bunch of fight and freak out videos down the street from Santa Monica. <laughs> so I would go and I would get like a, a cheeseburgers. And then just shove them in my pockets of my northeastern hockey jacket, and then just eat them while the, during the during the showing. And I remember I seeing that. like uh, it was like a, a Churchill movie with with um, I don't remember what I, it was. Uh, who's that guy? The Canadian? Oh, Gary Oldman. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. That he, that's right. He played Churchill. Yeah, and I remember seeing that yeah. just eat, eating my cheeseburgers <laughs> coming out of my pocket. Contraband, like we were just talking about. Yeah, that, exactly. Right? That's like, why I kind of contraband. Kinda just- yeah, just like whatever, just come in flagrantly with the Wendy's bag or whatever. They're not going to say anything. Thank God you're here. Can I run down the street and yeah, get you something, get you something? from Wendy's? <laughs> and shout out to like the really cool like uh, Alamo theater style places that have Love food it. and drink and good cocktails and stuff. That's dope. Love that. That's the way to do it, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my friend. Well, that was fun. Appreciate this uh, episode of uh, Knockback. Loved it. Any closing Loved comments? It. Uh, no, that's it. You know, we have to give a nod. You know, there's the typical ones like, oh, you know, remember when we had to tune into a TV show while it was airing or, you know, fear that was what I was. Forever. That was the one I always wrote down too. is just TV got like not knowing what was on, just kind of winging it, just tuning into whatever. Yeah. Like it's like this is I'm watching TV right now. So I guess I got to figure this out. Like, what are we going to do? And you would just sometimes you would end up on something horrible. You know? Yeah. I mean, I have a 12 year old. I don't 
I think he missed that completely. I don't yeah. think he was in for that at all. I think very, you know, our almost 16 year old had the last vestiges of that, like as a two year old. And by the time he came around, by the time Graydon came around, that was like pretty much over. You know, it was all subscription. Tune into what you want, when you want, as many times as you want. You know, it was never the fear of missing anything. Like I remember tuning in, we had to watch the Ewok movies, right? It was like, it's going to air at this time. It was like an event. You know, mom would look at the newspaper or the TV guide. It's going to be on then, bowl of popcorn. And you wouldn't get another chance to see it until they aired it again. Or, which usually wasn't the case, or until it came out on video, right? Like that was, that kind of died on the vine many years before my kids were born. But at least now they're talking, you know, it's funny how topical it is because Disney laying off 7,000 people, you know, a lot of it is they're saying like people sort of, I don't know if rebelling is the right word, but questioning the subscription services rates, they don't want to pay it. And also people moving away from cable with the ESPN layoffs specifically. You know, again, we talk about the boomers hanging on for dear life and everything like that, but trying to figure out, you know, the last gasps of cable and then the subscription services sort of, you know, them vying against each other and, you know, competing and they probably need to raise their rates, but they really can't. So they're between a rock and a hard place. So mm-hmm. it is interesting to see the evolution, but yeah, I have, I have at least one child here that has not had to tune into any, and same thing with the radio, you know, like oh I, get God, in the I don't know car who the fuck's the listening radio. to the radio anymore. <laughs> I don't, know I don't think anybody does. You know, my kids get in the car. It's they, they it's right to Spotify, right? Plug their phone into the car's computer and they, they're listening to their YouTube show or their Spotify playlist or whatever. You know, it's like, God forbid they should tune in. I find the car very refreshing because it's NPR and I learn something. It's not always this American life or radio lab or something awesome. But even the news, even BBC World News, like I'll learn something. It's how I get I force myself to just tune into whatever they're talking about. You know, and you know, it's a little old school, a little dose of old school in my day, you know, because it doesn't exist anymore. You can just get what you want when you want. You can, it's all cafeteria style now. But, you know, we, you were, you were probably the last generation of that, you know, that had to endure. Oh that. yeah. We were raw dogging it, you know, right there. <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing. It's definitely true. The preview man. channel is like a thing. I, I don't think people would even understand the concept of the preview channel. Anymore. God, it's so stupid. About- there was an entire channel that you would watch just to see what was on the other channels Is that and, crazy? and they would slowly scroll. And if you just missed it, you would hope to get it like right at the perfect time when it was like two, three, four. But right. sometimes you'd get it just deep and then it would be like all the adult content. You'd just be like waiting and waiting and waiting and, and trying to watch TV. That. I mean, I really became tuned in trying to go like, oh, it's 557. I should go try to see what's on TV because it's yeah. about to be six o'clock. Or if it's like it's 619, I'm like, wow. I'll try something at 6.30 or 7. It's too late. And it's crazy. That's the way we used to live our lives. And I guess that's what this whole podcast was about. So this was fun. Nice I enjoyed job, this one. I hope people liked it. And uh, we'll be back to the products with a little It's a Me Mario next time, which we're excited to get into. And uh, in the meantime, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for your love, kindness, and support of Knockback and all things Last Stand Media. Patreon.com slash Last Stand Media. Early ad free access and all the rest. You know the drill. We'll see you next time for more. Until then, goodbye. Wait, should we go out with a dad joke? Oh, wait, we didn't go. Out with, why wouldn't you interrupt me? Why, like, I don't understand why you let me do that and then don't interrupt. I didn't, know, I didn't know you were going all the way through. I thought you were going to say thank you and then we we're going to go I out forgot, with a yeah, dad joke. Yeah, let's end with a dad joke. Okay. Definitely let me go through the entire clothing <laughs> like that next time. You know what? I was looking through my index cards here because this is the one, 
Yeah, we shared this before from Allie, from our sister. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She gets to have a little part in the show. So I just I was going through my cards here. They're the first two I didn't like. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this one, Kyle. My wife and I let astrology get between us. It tore us apart. That was awful. I'm glad you interrupted <laughs> the end of the uh, show for that. Thank you. <sighs> Anything else? I don't want to. No, that's it. You're good forget. to go now. You're all good. Right. We're good. <laughs> all right. We appreciate all of you out there. Thank you for your love, kindness, and support. We'll see you next time for more Knockback and all other things last stand. Until then, goodbye. Knockback, a retro and nostalgia podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from Central Virginia and the Philadelphia suburbs, USA. The show was conceived by and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Dagan Moriarty. Knockback's executive producer is Dustin Furman and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Knockback, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and we're grateful for your kindness and generosity. William Holbert, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, SLDFMA, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Malachi Wall, Dave Cowell, Donald John Vader, Stephen Interfield, Alex, Hugo Delaguia, Austin Michael Lipka, Tim Smith, Doc Lowe, Harold Eustache, Will Williams, Dinos Roar, Nicholas Renault, Shane Breck, Jack Sin, Sean Llewellyn, Michael Mashed Potato, Sweaty Magic, Nate Izod, Hargeet Chani, Ellis, Albion, Logan Turner, Josh Schullinger, Gunner117, Andrew Roman, Jacob Donovan, Eduardo Perez, Alex the Mute, My name is Mayo, Logan Byford, Eddie Medina, Jason Arzon, Sean Hatfield, Christopher Nock, Sean Gulati, Grayson Maxwell, Cody Woodall, Jonas Young, Sorta Serious Gaming, Colin Farley, Mark Arnold, Whiskey Sin, Zia Parrick, Sean Miles, Relentless Rex, Alan Tiniak, Dustin Klingman, Christian R., Jad Rita, Patrick Skipper, Brian Hernandez Espinoza, Dustin Graff, Zach Cohen, Peyton Stone, John Keegan, Michael Buffel, Dan Root, Asak Parades, Dante Sharp, Talisman, Christopher Morgan, Randall Halsey, Dio or Die, Nuke Dukum, Jim Bob 56, T Bone 007, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Travis, Ross Chandler, H Trons, Antonio C, Ryan, Jay Getter, Bjorn Campbell, Theo, Jeff Mercado, Gregory Savinsky, Jordan Gale, Of Fortuna, John Zile, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newlin, Alex Lapierre, Saul Balcazar, Berto64, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Matt Flowers, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Kendrick Callis, Jimmy Rodriguez, Caswell, TB Lightning, Dave Alvarez, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Zach Allum, Kyle Hagel, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Stewie108, Patrick Montgomery, DB Cooper, Richter86, Steve Hodge, Noah J. Stevens, Barrett Boswell, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Johnny Waffles, Roto24, Jonathan Coates, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Jordan Town, Brian Chand, Organic Produce, Carlos Algorit, Mike Menzel, Night Draft, James Hayes, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Joosh, Martin Beck, Gavin, Jerome Ferreira, Joey Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, Lewin Ray Loper, Jonathan Cortez, John Schultz, Tom Quinn, Ann Kay, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bellow, Ryan T. Mandel, Pork and Beans, Tony Zuniga, Robbie Hensley, Shane Miller, Alex Cabrera, Corey Dustin, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, William O'Carroll, J.S. 
SC0828, Jorge Pal, Max Cannon, Tomas Sablin, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Joey Gonhalliger, Alex Monez, Gerald Pennington, Justin Payne, Justin Wagaman, Austin Riley, Paul Joyce, Alan Hopkins, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Logan Willis, Shane Rayum, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Greg Julius, Ashley Carlson, Marius Carson Peterson, Ryan Greenwood, Tyler Harris, Patrick Carper, Madmock Media, Bull Burkholtz, and Jonathan Rice.